Well, hello, everybody. It's like we know each other so well. Good Welcome in to Hoopsville and the Sensible Sports Marketing Bracket Special, the Bracket Breakdown Special here on the show. We are here, ladies and gentlemen. It is time to have some fun and to talk about the brackets, even those teams that missed out and those teams that got in. And it's always fun to start with the reactions because that is what makes this time so great. Some teams who certainly know they got in, but that doesn't take away from the fun, right? As Coast Guard certainly showed us earlier today. Here you see him with Brendan Gulick as our co-host in the background. They were more than thrilled, to say the least, that they were dancing. Obviously, they knew they were dancing. The Cinderellas of the of the, of the uh, new Mac, as it were, fun to see them. Uh, Marymount was a little nervous, to say the least, and so they uh, got a chance to see if they were in as a pool B. Yeah, a little subdued for a team that was nervous. Hey, how about Baldwin Wallace? Baldwin Wallace. They even had a nice moment later. Fame head coach Sherry Harrow won the Jackets. They're hosting for the first time since 2008. The coach had a few words for the team. Take on Centennial Conference champions Haverford, who had an awfully stingy defense this year. They split during the year, so Haverford. Actually, we don't know anything about. We're going to find out about. All right. So, yeah, yeah. Hey. We played great this past week. We just continue playing like that. Everything else takes care of itself. All right? Ready to go at 430? All right? Taped and ready. So those are some cool reactions. I, I watched a bunch on Twitter. Some of them got shared with me. I'm not done yet because I'm going to get to my favorite three that either were sent to me or that I found. The first one comes from the Benedictine women. Remember, we didn't pick the Benedictine women. The video's not so great. It doesn't take away from the moment. They couldn't get anybody, a lot of people, to their watch party. I, I can understand why, but the reaction from their coaching staff is priceless. Pretty darn cool. Okay. Next two favorites. We'll start with one who knew they were in but didn't realize how good it was going to be, Worcester. Last four here after a championship game that many fans in Ohio will soon forget. Your next host. Am I right or am I right? But the best reaction of the day was another team we got wrong on the women's side. We were nervous. We didn't think NYU could get in, mainly because they had lost to Cabrini. Yeah, we may not have. We may have overthought that one, maybe, or didn't, or maybe didn't think about it enough. But NYU didn't have fall or lose hope. They decided to watch the show anyway. Next off the board. <laughs> Oh, 
Maybe we should be wrong more often to get reactions like that. Nothing against some of you teams out there, but some of them were like, yay, we're in. Come on, guys, you're in the tournament. Now, granted, I didn't get to see everybody's reactions. Those are the ones I was able to find online or that got sent to us. I want to thank to those SIDs and, and programs who thought of us and sent them on our way. Congratulations to the team. Absolutely well-deserved. Outstanding, to say the least. Um, fun stuff. Now, yes, let's talk about the nitty-gritty here. When I went to bed last night, Okay, when I went off the air, I don't know if I was thinking by the time I got to bed, but when I went off the air last night, I had a couple of thoughts about the work we had done to try and select teams. I feared we were going to, we had blown it on the men's side. The central region was so darn tough. I, I, I didn't think that we were going to, that we were close. Uh, the central region was tough. I was worried that the, the national committee had done something different with it. Well, not different, but just moved one team or another. We kept getting feedback that the information we had gotten was accurate, and it was accurate. For the record, the information we got was accurate. We knew the National Committee could make adjustments. We didn't get any feedback how much they made. I think when I looked at it, and correct me if I'm wrong, folks, because I'll call up the regional rankings as I say this. Um, I, I think they only moved WashU to where... In hindsight, we probably should have thought through a little bit better. They went Wash U, Benedict, and St. Norbert, Oshkosh, Eau Claire. So really, what we had was Benedict and St. Norbert, Wash U, Oshkosh, Eau Claire. So they simply moved Wash U up. So outside of that, we had the exact same rankings. Um, well, not, not exact same rankings. I, I misspeak. But my point being, I was worried we got that wrong. I was worried we read some other things wrong. It was tough. Thought we butchered it. On the women's side... I thought, okay, you know, it's tough. We'll get two to three wrong. Not a big deal. We missed one on the men's side. Despite us having a different order in the central region, we missed one. It's an interesting one that we missed. Eau Claire got in. Virginia Wesleyan did not. I'll, I'll be honest with you. My brain power is limited today. I, I need to go and look at that more. Now, we'll hear from Sam Atkinson a little later in the show as to his reasons for that decision. I, usually when we miss one, it's like, oh, okay, they went that direction. We had Virginia and Wesleyan off the table sooner. So uh, it, it, it was a, a surprising one. But the gut shot of them all on the women's side, we missed five. Yeah, I'm not proud of that. Now, I, I will say, and we'll hear from um, Karen Harvey later, I think the women's side might have been the toughest I've seen it with a committee that's always been hard to truly nail down what they're thinking. And I don't mean what they're thinking. That's a wrong term, but nailed down exactly maybe their methodology or, or how they read the data. And, and it's not to say they don't have a methodology or, or don't it's that we haven't quite figured out what they're doing. I, 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 maybe we nailed every pick. I know we nailed all the pick in the men's once. It, missing one is nailing all the picks in my book. On the women's side, we just haven't been able to master it as much. And, and that's, that's what it is. To miss five is a gut shot to me. Um, I'll, I'll take, I do find solace in something Gordon Mann said at the end of last night's show, if you, if you missed it, or at the end of the selections. He said, listen, and he basically said those last five picks, roughly, 
don't be assured because we selected you, you're in. And I thought, I remember thinking at the time, you know, he's got a point. Just because we think you're in doesn't mean you're in. I, I haven't gone to look and compare of the five that we had at the end, uh, which five, if those were the same five that didn't get in. But he's got a point. And, and it, it resonated with me today when I heard that or thought of that because I think it was that difficult. He said, listen, those last five, even six, understand we may be wrong. And, and the committee goes in a different direction here. And who knows what that really means. And so, and, and I think it also hurt us that we didn't really get any intel that we wanted to get on the women's side of things in terms of where rankings shook out. I think we, if we had moved a couple of pieces here and there, we, we might have had maybe a better idea. I, I'm not positive. For example, <laughs> here's a good one. Last year, we had Marymount at the table in the Atlantic region for a long time, Mount St. Mary behind them. It turns out they moved Mount St. Mary ahead. Okay. This year, Mount St. Mary moved ahead of Cabrini, who we had the table, Cabrini at the table. I'm not saying it's the same reasons, but it's little things like that that you think you figured out and you haven't. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Ohio Northern and John Carroll not getting in. That certainly stood out to me because we missed two there um, in that region alone. Western New England did not get in. They were the third. I'm sorry, they did get in. They were third in the Northeast. We felt they would have dropped further, and we didn't select them. To be honest, though, in hindsight, and maybe I should have spoken up more, I really thought Western New England was going to get in. I let the crew do their work, but they, only, they were only third. And so in reality, they were in better position than I think any of us gave them credit for. Um. Interestingly enough, William Peace, Emery, and Henry, and Emery stayed exactly how we thought they would stay. We did get word that Emery may have gotten ahead of Emery and Henry, but the National Committee moved it again. And remember, the National Committee does another set of results versus region rank that changes some of these equations. Um, we selected Augsburg. They didn't get in. Now you go back to the central region. Lacrosse did get in. Um, Benedictine stayed ahead of Lacrosse. There's There's little bitty things that... You know, if we had gotten a better sense, maybe we would have had a better chance at it. But at the same time, the women's is, is very difficult, to say the least. Um, so it was interesting. It was an, it, now, as for the brackets, I, I love the brackets for the most part. There is very little, in my opinion, to complain about. Um, and by the way, we can find complaints about selections and we can find complaints about bracketing. As far as bracketing, I think there's very... Very little to complain about on the men's side, and even the women's side. I think both of them are pretty darn good brackets. Uh, on the men's side, I love the creativity despite the, some of the challenges that they have. Both Northwest Conference teams are flying. That's thanks in part, as we'll learn more later, because Texas has a pod. And so flights were going to have to take place. So for the first time in forever, both wits will not face each other in the second round of the tournament should both win. Uh, I, I, I love that Yeshiva's at Johns Hopkins against WPI. Uh, I, I mean, just going through it, there's little bitty things that I just so love about what's this, this bracket has been put together. Uh, for the most part, I think there's some tremendous matchups. Yes. We're going to have some tough ones in the second weekend on the men's side, 
but I thought that the they thought it was balanced. But I mean, Elmers is playing Lycoming at Worcester. Um, and then at Wittenberg, we got Benedictine versus Susquehanna. We don't get those matchups, and we got some great hosts to be able to pull that off. Um, Marietta is playing TCNJ, for example, at Randolph-Macon. That's, that's a fun one. I mentioned Yeshiva WPI at Johns Hopkins. Um, there's little ones like, hey, how about the fact that Jim Calhoun with his St. Joseph team is going to go to where he was enshrined in the Hall of Fame to play a basketball tournament game at Springfield? That's darn cool. Um, Nebraska Wesleyan, I think it's it's fascinating. I like that Washu's there. Somebody's got to go there. Um, and, but I think Bethany Lutheran's got a chance in that. I like it. Uh, there's just little bitty things here and there that I like about this this tournament and and how it shook out, how the brackets came together. Yeah, we can find we can nitpick. Oh, we can absolutely nitpick. Um, you know. I don't even know where to. I mean, I, the fact that Tufts has three New England teams and RPI, yeah, we can nitpick that. But at some point, you have to have – there's just too many teams that tend to come out of those places that it's hard. St. Thomas, St. Norbert in the first round, I think that's a fun one. I think that's a fair one. Uh, the winners to take Platteville. Okay, you could argue maybe that's tough, but we had enough teams in that area that maybe that's unavoidable. Um, Pomona Pitzer is playing center at Emory. Um, that's a pretty darn, darn little fun trip, is it not? I, I like that one. And then on the women's side of things, I, I think they did a pretty decent job on the bracketing as well. Uh, I like the fact, well, first, let's get it out of the way. Tufts couldn't host because the men were hosting, and men have priority. To, and, and Tufts is set up technically as a number one team in this bracket in that upper left-hand corner. Um, it's unfortunate. That's just the way it works. Tufts women can't host. Um, because the Tufts men are, but, but they're in position. And if you look at the bracket, the Tufts women are in position to be able to host the second weekend. And I think that's important to keep in mind. Uh, SUNY New Paltz is going to host. It's not the, it's an, it's an okay bracket. I mean, Husson's got a long drive, <laughs> uh, outside of that. It's not too bad. Messiah's is interesting. Eastern Connecticut, St. John Fisher, Messiah and Keystone. Uh, I mean, Messiah and Keystone are in the same state. I, I wouldn't. I mean, I know they're in different regions, but maybe that one could have been a little different. But I, I'm, I feel like I'm looking to nitpick. Uh, Emmanuel versus NYU is a fun little matchup uh, at Bowdoin, by the way. And as I mentioned to several, make sure you find some time to stop by L.L. Bean on the way to Bowdoin, folks. Don't do it on the way back because you might be in a bad mood and overshop. Um, you know, Redlands playing Whitewater. Maybe that you could argue that's a tough matchup for Redlands, but I think it's a perfect test for Redlands. Transylvania is going to bring a lot of questions. The committee felt, and we'll hear from them later, that they couldn't do anything else because they couldn't get enough teams to Oglethorpe. I know we did. I didn't see our bracket per se, but I know we did. Um, but they felt that to get the matchups they wanted, they needed to go to Transylvania. You do have three Southern teams and Randolph, Megan, Oglethorpe, and Pe William Peace there at Transylvania. That's a little unfortunate. Uh, I would love to have seen Oglethorpe host on the black floor, um, but it, it didn't work out according to what the committee has been telling me, and, and we'll learn from more from Karen a little bit, Karen Harvey a little bit later. Um, but again, I think there's a lot of fun little matchups in here. Um, I, I like the matchup of Illinois Wesleyan and Berea. 
I think uh, Berea is a tougher matchup than many people realize. Chicago, I know a lot of people thought they should host. From what I'm gathering, and we'll learn more about it later, that might have been a problem that everything they were trying to put together was going to cause flights to Chicago. And remember, this isn't about the fact that Chicago's a hub or Oglethorpe's near a hub in Atlanta. It's the fact that it's over 500 miles. Uh, Bethel better watch out for Bethany Lutheran. I'm just going to say it now. You don't want to look past anybody. Uh, and then the upper right, I, hey, listen, you know, Amherst is set up with Trinity, Texas, George Fox, Marymount. I'm just looking at what is potentially the high seeds here. Christopher Newport or Scranton. I, I, there's, there's some fun in that little upper corner. There's, there's a lot of really fun little matchups on the women's side. Uh, men's side, I thought, did a nice job as well. So hats off to them, to say the least. Um, let's see here. John, Josh, Little Ground Madness in Fort Wayne. You're right, said. Have fun day with the broadcast. Looking forward to more. Josh, I'm looking forward to seeing you, sir. Uh, Kevin says, great job putting D3 on the radar. Well, we, we all do our, our part, and I appreciate the kind words, to say the least. Uh, very nice of you guys to say that. Uh, appreciate everybody. Mark saying hi. Hello, Mark. Uh, double checking on the YouTube side. If you want to chat with us, you can always. We're, we're simulcasting the show on um, on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. We're also simulcasting the show on YouTube, youtube.com slash d3hoopsville. You can email us, hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's hoopsville at d3sports.com. Um, so, yeah, there's a. There's a lot of fun things to get to and, and email us, ask us questions, go for it, whatever you want to do. We'll do our best to answer said questions. Um, let's see here. How do Ohio Northern and John Carroll both miss out on the women's tournament? Great Lakes was stacked. The OAC is one of the top leagues in the country for number four in Massey. Well, Ryan will stop there. Number four in Massey doesn't matter. Massey doesn't matter. Realize that it isn't part of the criteria. I know, but I'm just clarifying for everybody else. But by the way, you can't say realize it isn't part of the criteria, but still. If you realize it's not part of the criteria, then there's no but. Uh, hard to think one would make it. Hey, we had two. And, and we'll find out from Karen uh, Harvey later what, what might be that reason. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we'll find out. Um, let's see here. Uh, what was the other one I spotted? Uh, Manuel was, has to watch out. The Violets can shoot the three better than the Saints, and NYU is better free throw shooting team. Okay. Saints team is good, but... Seems to pale a bit to the 2000-2001 team that negged. Well, yeah, Alan. Are we really comparing a 2019-20 team to a 2000-2001 team? Ah, come on. The NYU's not that team either. Come on, Alan. I don't know if he's actually listening to the show. I just happen to see it on Twitter. Emmanuel has to watch out. The Violets can shoot the threes much better than the Saints. Okay. NYU's shooting a better free throw percentage. Okay. Saints are a good team, but seems to pale a bit versus a 2000-2001 team that knocked out Meg Barber and Derry Magyar's Violets team in the Elite Eight. Okay, but that's also not the NYU team that's taking to the floor either. Um, yeah, but Coach Yasinoff's a good coach, too. Remember, they beat Amherst earlier this season. So, great. I, I see what we do on paper. You know how many times we have a game on paper that never pans out that way? Many times, right? Um, so anyway, folks, lots to talk about, and we have a jack jammed up show. So I'm going to take a break. When we come back, we will get things started with an interview I had with Sam Atkinson earlier today. Then we might get some reactions from our crews. We'll see about the brackets. Then we'll switch to women, or we'll get the women in, and then we'll get reactions. We'll figure it out in while we're talking with Sam Atkinson to be sure. But follow us on Twitter at d3hoopsville slash hoop. 
at D3Hoopsville slash Hoopsville. That's where you can interact with us, and we hope you'll take advantage of that um, and lots of other ways to do it as well. You are watching a pretty cool presentation, if I do say so myself, uh, the Sensible Sports Marketing Bracket Breakdown. want to thank our friends at Sensible Sports Marketing for sponsoring the show tonight. They're proud to be the title sponsor of tonight's show. They're your go-to source for promotional products, graphic design, printing, and web design with solutions catered to fit the D3 budget. For a quote on your next project, visit GetSportsSense.com or give them a call at 800-575-4765. Take a break. Sam Atkinson and his thoughts when we come back here on Hoopsville. has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight.
This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well. But it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that. And it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. I just wanted to get good grades and to do well, but it also made me realize that I have a lot of career goals. You're there to get a full college experience, not only participate in your sport, but participate in things outside of that, and it's all about growing as a person. My coaches have helped me with figuring out who I really am. Their lives are dedicated for us to succeed. Welcome to Hoopsville and the sports, Sensible Sports Marketing what are we calling this tonight? Bracket special. Bracket breakdown special. That's right. Thank our, our friends at Sensible Sports Marketing. And uh, give them a check out at GetSportsSense.com. We'll talk more about them a little bit later. And a little bit of those who helped us throughout. By the way, don't forget, our donations continue. Our drive through the end of the night or maybe tomorrow when the, when the podcast is finished. Uh, we're at 4,400 plus. Our goal is 7,500. So, you know, we're 3,000 away. Any chance we get anywhere closer to that tonight? We'll send out another tweet about it. Um, and so on and so forth. So any help would be appreciative. Um, you know, well, anyway, uh, any help would be appreciative because it helps pay our bills. It helps justify the time that we spend on this. Maybe next year getting a producer in here as well to help. Maybe another computer to help with the load as well. So uh, consider any help you can give us. It would certainly appreciate it. At this point, we're also pushing to try and go to Atlanta for the Final Four and the D3 championship game. By the way, D3 championship game at 1230. Forgot to talk to Sam Atkinson about that. We were under the impression it would be at 3 o'clock with the D2 game first. They flipped it. I'll put dollars to donuts. That's because of CBS. And I'll leave it at that until we get more information. Speaking of Sam Atkinson, he joined me earlier today to talk about the, about the bracket, about the selections, and the choices that they made. Certainly not easy choices. I suspect, because I've never done the job outside of just our mock version, they take the calls from the coaches, the admins, and the player, or not the players, but others in asking about these questions. So we talked to Sam earlier today about the selections and the bracket and the tournament and whatnot, and hopefully we got some of your questions answered, though I'm sure we didn't get them all answered, but here's more. Joining me on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it's the National Committee Chair and Associate Director of Communications from Gallaudet University is Sam Atkinson. And Sam, as always, thanks for taking the time to join us, especially after what is a very long weekend for you and the rest of the National Committee. Hey, Dave. Yes, it's been a long weekend out here in Indianapolis, um, running on fumes and little sleep right now. Yeah, I can imagine, though. I don't know if I feel so bad for you being out in Indianapolis, just for the record. <laughs> That's not, not the worst place to be. No, that's not. Uh, before we get into some nitty gritty and some of the details, can you just give us an overview of how you thought things went from your vantage point uh, on the committee and, and how the committee obviously worked together? And, and I guess bigger than that, how you thought the whole process worked out? Yeah, and you know, things were, you know, got started really uh, on Saturday looking at the conference championship games and the conference tournaments going on. 
Um, we were fortunate to also have our vice chair, Mike Schauer from Wheaton uh, College out here um, to be a, a part of the selection weekend along with our NCAA liaison, Alex Mortalero. Uh, so having him here to, to see the process, as you can recall last year, his team was in the mix, so he wasn't privy to the full um, experience of, of seeing how the selections were made. So it, it, was, it was good to have that um, presence out here in Indianapolis. But then with our committee folks, we, you know, we were already working on our looking at our at-large uh, board and pool C's as far as which teams are in the mix. And as you guys saw over the weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, um, a couple big upsets that really um, ended up gobbling up some of those pool C bids. Um, so overall, you know, the committee did a great job. Uh, it was a long day yesterday. Um, and you know, as we'll probably get into, we can, we'll, we'll talk more about how some of these regions mm-hmm. shook out and uh, where we maybe got stuck for a little bit. Yeah, no, we'll certainly ask some questions. I, 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 it's an interesting bracket this year. Uh, all in all, when you look at what you guys had to deal with, first and foremost, because my brain's just done, did you guys have a full committee, or did you ever lose some members due to the usual get them pulled off due to their team being in the conversation type stuff? Yeah, Dave, and we had a full committee the whole time. And, and to be honest, this was probably the best of my four years as far as committee work, having um, no coaches or ADs um, uh, involved with their team, um, either in the conference tournament or traveling back from a conference tournament or even having to, to leave the call if their team was at the table. So to me, I thought it was great um, that we had all eight committee members fully involved the whole way. And I think it really paid dividends, especially when we got to some of these tough decisions. Yeah, that's certainly impressive. I don't remember the last time that's happened. Uh, on the, well, it happens a little more often on the men's side, but still impressive nonetheless. Sure. Um, all right. So I, I don't know where we start necessarily, because there's a lot of places we can go. I, I think the elephant in the room for the most part, has been this central region. Uh, as luck would have it, uh, everybody lost, as we all know. <laughs> and I am sure you as a committee were watching the results coming in the weekend going, no, 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 no. Uh, and it just continued all weekend long. I you know I even thought that uh, as we as this went along. And obviously we don't just kind of reset the rankings and go from, from where they were the previous week because so much can change even in losses. But mm-hmm. how, did, how did that region... Well, how did that affect everything in, in the long run? I mean, did, it seemed like that region, at least when we were doing our work, really became a behemoth in the sense of really where things shook out had a large impl- impl- uh, impact on everything else. No doubt. I mean, the central region this year has actually been you know, difficult all year, you know, looking at our regional rankings, um, and especially this weekend, it never cleared up. Um, with the amount of upsets that were happening in the conference tournaments. Um, you know, by the way, we're, you know, we're ecstatic for the teams that are in the AQs and, and they win their conference tournament. Um, it, but it then, you know, you lose a couple more bids on that pool C line when, you know, you have a team like Wisconsin Platteville um, have an early exit from their conference uh, tournament. So things got more complicated as the weekend went on. Uh, I can tell you, that on Sunday morning, um, Mike Shower, our chair of the Central Region, started his rack call. He pushed it another 45 minutes earlier than uh, slated for, just because he knew he needed the amount of time to go through it. And 
you know, that region with the RAC call, was that call lasted over an hour. And then once we got the National Committee on the phone, we started at 11.30 on Sunday, and we spent nearly an hour ourselves just on the central region. So you can kind of see um, the complications of this region and, you know, what we had to kind of sift through. Um, and, and it was just a complicated matter for us, but we knew as a committee that we had to start there or things would not have been, you know, it would have gotten more complicated as things went on. Like basically, the central region for us set the table for the rest of the day. That sounds about right. Uh, I, we had gleaned our information, and, and we knew our information was interesting. We mm-hmm. knew our information could have been inaccurate. You know, we, we understood that you guys on your end could easily have made some changes that would have changed our look at it. Interesting enough, for the most part, though, we, we came up with similar answers. I'm kind of curious, though, how did it all shake out in that region? We've seen the regional rankings, I understand, but how did, how did you guys get to those steps? Because there were so, much, so many different teams with different-looking resumes. There was nothing yeah. similar in that region to save our lives. Uh, yes, there, there was no like life vest for this region, right. uh, so to speak. But yeah, there were a couple of teams, and then I know you guys were talking about it on even your selection show last night. It's like, how do you handle a Benedictine? How do you handle a St. Norbert? Uh, where does Warshu end up? Um, so as we were watching things play out on Saturday, you know, when you know Chicago takes down Warshu and Emory wins, you know, over Rochester that impacted the UAA bid. And then the question then is that where does Warshu fall? And then you start looking at Benedictine and their, their resume um, and, and, their, and those regionally ranked wins that they had, the, the wins over North Central, Lorturno, and St. Norbert. And then, you know, it was going back and forth when you were juggling, you know, basically those three teams was one part of it. The other part is how to handle the Wisconsin schools. Uh, between Oshkosh and then, you know, Platteville, you know, they, they uh, got bounced early from their conference tournament, but then Oshkosh goes and wins the AQ, but then you have Eau Claire who made it to the championship and how to handle them, and you had UW lacrosse there. So uh, I think the one thing to be clear on also is how we look at the regional rankings as a rack on Sunday and look at the data there, and then the national committee will review that, let the rest of the nine conference championship games on Sunday play out, and then we go back as a and then push the results and the data after the last conference championship game, and then as a national committee we go back into each region and look at how things played out there. So, um, you know that's how the whole central region shook out for us and. You know, it was it was definitely not an easy task. Well, it's interesting because Wisconsin-Eau Claire ends up being the last team in from the Central Region. They're the last team ranked on the Central Region. If nobody knows how it ranked out, it was Platteville, mm-hmm. Elmhurst, North Central. Wash U did stay ahead of Benedictine, uh, then St. Norbert, Oshkosh, Eau Claire. There's a lot of conversations. Hey, what about lacrosse? You know, they had mm-hmm. two wins over uh, Oshkosh in the head-to-head. There's some other similarities, some other differences, certainly. That... Seems like a pivotal choice to put Eau Claire ahead of lacrosse because arguably swap them, maybe lacrosse gets in. Right. How did how did that one shake out? Yeah. So going back to um, Sunday morning when we were looking at the central region, uh, UW lacrosse was sitting there at actually zero and five in regionally ranked wins, 
And when you're looking at Eau Claire at the time, comparing them to across, um, I understand there's a, the two head-to-heads, but you also have a Eau Claire team sitting with three regional ranked wins, um, one against the, the top team from that region in Platteville, uh, another one from Oshkosh, and then Whitworth from, a, from the West region. And the, the RAC went back and forth. They voted. It was a very close vote. Um, they, they had voted for Eau Claire over Eau Cross at the RAC, and then they brought to the National Committee. Again, as I mentioned, we discussed the Central Region for over an hour uh, to start our call on our national rankings, and um, Eau Claire was, was voted as the eighth team in the Central. Um, and then um, we had the other two teams that were in contention out, outside of Eau Claire was Illinois Wesleyan, and UW lacrosse. Uh, so it sounds like maybe lacrosse wouldn't necessarily flopped because you and, and I should point out you're not always just looking at straight two teams. You're no. sometimes looking at three or four teams simultaneously because they yep. team A might have an advantage on team B, who has an advantage on team C, who has an advantage on team A. Correct. Um, you, especially in case in point, looking here at the central region, um, you know you, you do have a couple teams that hail from the same conference a couple that have um, crossover games against each other. There are head-to-heads you have to uh, weave, weave in and out of and deal with. Um, and, and then the strength of schedules are kind of a little bit, you know, you have one extreme to another. So there's a lot to, you know, sit down and look at and, and, and get through. When, obviously, the decisions are made and, and we get that, um I, I am kind of curious. Eau Claire becomes, I don't know how much of an outlier, but let's just call it an outlier to be generic to, to some extent. They were the ones that we came down and had a struggle with. Really good SOS numbers. Was it? I think it was 3-8 and eight or something along those lines, results versus regionally ranked opponents. Um, but not a great win-loss percentage, 19-9. and nine. Um, mm-hmm. when, when we saw some hints along the year that the win-loss was important still to some degree, how do we still come up with a team? How do, how do we still, for the third time, come up with a team out of the same conference, ironically, with an incredible strength of schedule number, but not the greatest win-loss percentage? And, I, and, and I'm asking strictly on the sense of how do we understand that to be able to move forward with the, with the reality of sometimes teams are going to put really darn ske- good schedules together and they don't have to really win as many games as we think. Yeah, and I think when you look at the WIAC, and you're talking about one of the top conferences in you know, NCAA Division III men's basketball, um, and, and the, the schedules that those teams play uh, night in and night out in that conference is tough. You know, in some of these resumes that you see from these teams in the Central are just some of the best overall bodies of work in the, in, in the country. Um, so I think for Eau Claire, I think for them getting to their conference championship game, Picking up that win over Platteville um, helped push them above lacrosse in, in that comparison. It's just it. When here's the question I bring up because sure. we, we get coaches who are constantly trying to understand what they need to do to best position their teams, um, and obviously you got to win your games. We understand that, mm-hmm. and we and we want people to go out there and certainly put together decently decent schedules. I think this year we at least allowed the understanding that closer to 500 isn't horrible, but you got to do something to justify that. 
But then I think at the same time we see people go out there and go, well, I can't put a schedule ever together like the WIAC. I'm, I'm never going to be sure. able to in that position. And thus, the onus now is even more heavily on everybody else because you're giving them such a bubble to, to be able to bounce on with a bunch of losses. And I'm because they got a strength of schedule that's through the moon, I can never get there. How do we talk to coaches to say, here's what you're going to need to do to try and best position yourself when it, it, it seems like it's mixed messages? Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I'm not sure if this is like the right example to, to look at because, you know, you look at a, a couple other teams like Mount Union last year was a team that did not make the tournament, but then you look at how they competed this year and, and they, you know, changed their schedule up some. I, I think coaches over the years have been able to, to see that, you know, the change in a little bit more in the parity of, of Division Three men's, men's basketball and challenging themselves in the non-conference. And we've seen the difference in some of these teams when you look at their non-conference SOS. Um, so I, I understand, you know, back to the WIAC and, and the difficulty there. Um, it, you know, it, it's just it, it's it's a complicated league, and, and, and it's tough, you know, when those teams are playing and kind of beating up on each other, you know, every night. You know, I mean, obviously it's interesting because we've, we've had this conversation with the NESCAC in previous mm-hmm. years, and, you know, they don't play as many games, and people get frustrated because they can then stack up their, SO, their SOS, is their, right. is their theory. Um, this year it didn't come into play as much because there were more losses in the NESCAC, certainly. But now we're seeing this as a third team in, in I don't know how many years that with a really gaudy SOS out of the WIAC. And I just, I'm just, I want to do as best I can for anybody out there understanding how this all works. Yes, there's right. certainly respect to the WIAC, but all things being equal, that's where I'm trying to find, is the all things being equal yeah. part. Sure. Well, and, and then your example there in the NESCAC, you look at, you know, where Colby, you know, they went 24-2, and two, you know, their SRS was middle of the road at 541, but their non-conference was 494, and Amherst, you know, they were at um, 474 in a non-conference, so, you know... Some teams, even though they hail from a tough conference, doesn't always equate to a tough non-conference SOS. But then you look at um, Eau Claire here at 593. You know they had games against WashU and St. Norbert. Um, so even though they're from a tough conference, they still didn't shy away from trying to schedule tougher in the non-conference schedule. Yeah, I mean, obviously, scheduling is tougher. It, let me give you another comparison. Obviously, sure. you've got conferences that don't have a lot of games that they can schedule. Um, mm-hmm. Five, for example. Right. They're going to make the argument, well, this is never going to happen in our favor, even if we try and do do well by those numbers or do well in scheduling. You know, we, we have less room for error because we only have five games. You know, if we, if we had a, one or two that didn't pan out the way it should have, we're done. Um, whereas they get numerous games. How do we balance those expectations? Well, you look at a a Benedictine. You know, they they only had five non-conference games this year, and they ended up scheduling St. Norbert, Laterno, North Central, Hope, and Rhodes. That's not a bad non-conference SOS for, you know, for them as they jumped to 634 in that region. So, you know, people can make the argument that if you only play 20 conference games, or you play play 20 conference games, you only have five non-conference games to play you know there are teams that are making the effort to challenge themselves in the non-conference scheduling yeah and and it's we're seeing improvements in that that's why we've seen sos numbers certainly climb uh in recent years um it's i think one more question along these lines i I appreciate the answers it's very helpful (laughs) central region is stacked 
with good mm-hmm. teams. I mean, absolutely stacked. No one's going to argue that. Just as they say in the Northeast, NESCAC can take advantage of it because there's more teams available. The Central can take advantage of scheduling because there's better teams always ranked available. Um, maybe in two years when we have 10 regions, this will be a different conversation. But um, how do you then tell others who are not in as strong a region in the terms of programs that they can schedule, how they got to balance this as well? Yeah, I can't speak to how a coach budgets their money and, and scheduling and, and tournaments and stuff like that. I, you know, to me, I, I think teams are doing the best they can with what they have, and they're and they're able to challenge themselves when they can. Um, I, but for me, I just, you know, it's hard for me just to talk about, I guess, maybe budgets and how teams can travel. Um, yeah, and, and I realize there's only so much we can do. And again, as you said, there's budgets in mind, and sometimes that makes it tough. Another one um, that I think was tough for a lot of people is Virginia Wesleyan being left out of the tournament. Uh, we certainly thought they would get in. Doesn't mean we're right. Um, but Virginia Wesleyan ended up falling further than I expected. They ended up sixth in the regional rankings. And I guess not falling, but being further down. Uh, they certainly had a decent resume, got all the way to the, the, the conference championship, uh, took on Randolph-Macon yet another time. Did it almost hurt them that they didn't get at least one win over the Yellow Jackets this season? Yeah, I think you know Virginia Leslie. You know, of course, if they won that game, they would have gotten the AQ. But I think you know during the season, if they had that win over Randolph Macon, that would have been huge for them. You know, a team right behind them was Guilford, and they had a win over Emory and Randolph Macon, um, and that helped Guilford jump into the regional rankings the other week. Um, so for, for Virginia Wesleyan, they had two wins against ranked opponents, uh, Christopher Newport and Guilford, that we just alluded to. Um, but, you know, when you're looking at Virginia Wesleyan across the eight different regions and, and the other teams at the table, um, you know, they were right there. And, you know, but the, the two regionally ranked wins, um, you know, the, probably one more win would have helped them there. Would, well, and, and Eau Claire has a win over a number one, being Platteville. That probably carried a lot of weight when compared to Virginia Wesleyan. It did, but um, I can't speak about the order of no. when teams got, got selected or when they came to the table. But, okay. um, you know, and it, that comparison didn't happen. I was going to say, there's a hint, um, but you, you finished it off nicely. Uh, so anybody out there, uh, just forget the Eau Claire-Virginia Wesleyan comparison if you want to make it. Uh, so that also tells us Eau Claire was taken a little bit earlier than many of us would expect it. But then again, you know, it, it's amazing how I think if we had done it all over again last night, even with the same rankings we had gleaned, which were slightly different than yours, we, we may have come up with different answers as we worked our way through it ourselves. Uh, the, I know the selections are tough. Is there a way that this could be figured out or done in a way that gives you what feels like better information? Is, is, is there anything about the criteria that could be improved? Yeah, I mean, you know, I guess twofold. I think the one part is how things are handled on Sunday, of Selection Sunday. Um, you know, when we meet as RACs to discuss our rankings and then the National Committee reviews it, but then we have to wait for, you know, a, a handful of other conference championship games to finish on Sunday and then having to review it again and then update everything, um, it just really slows down the process. And, you know, for us to get to selections and then later to bracketing, um, it'd be nicer to see more of that, you know, kind of out of the way. And we've harped on this, Dave, as far as 
the Sunday Conference Championship games and how that really holds the committee at hostage at, at times, uh, waiting for those results to, to finish. And, you know, we, we saw a couple upsets yesterday that really changed how things were going to play out with the uh, Pool C selections. Um, Criteria-wise, you know, it's one thing that as a national committee we review every year. And I think, you know, in June when we meet again, uh, we're going to dive back into that. So those who are on the outside looking in, who thought they put decent resumes together, were basically saying, one, try and schedule a little bit more competitively out of conference. And I know the, the retort to that is going to be, well, I'm scheduling two years in advance. There's only so much I can do. Sure. But, of course, that SOS behemoth is still, quote-unquote, there. Of course, there's also win more games, and that one doesn't need a, a caveat. Uh, get better results versus regionally ranked opponents. Again, it goes back to the, well, I schedule two years out. There's only so much I can do. Is there some way we can find a middle ground, or do you think we are in that middle ground? I mean, I, you know, to be, to be blunt with my perspective from my four years on this committee, I, I feel like things have changed and improved mm-hmm. in, in the positive direction in, in, in a lot of those areas. Uh, compared to what I've heard from the past and how teams would just stay home and, and not challenge themselves. Um, and, and you're right, you know, coaches that are scheduling, you know, one year, two year, maybe even three years out sometimes, uh, home and homes or even a tournament or two. And it's tough. You might, you think the team is, you know, a tournament team from last year and then this year they, they're last in their conference standings or, um, so we have no control over that. Um, you know, teams come up and, you know, have a great season and then they go back down. Um, and then going back, you know, we, we can't also control the location of, of, of our memberships in our, in our schools. Yeah. That's the other thing is we, the outliers sometimes get the short end of some of this. Now, granted, some of it they can solve and some of it they can't. Uh, is, is that always a concern? And I mean the outliers being those who are in locations where getting games is, is not as easy as going up one exit on the, on the interstate. Yeah, no, you know, again, I mean, you know, we, we can't control where, where schools are. Sure. You know, and, you know, again, we encourage our coaches and, and teams to schedule as, as, as best they can. And, and you know, if, if they can go to a tournament um, early in the season or the, the Hoops World Classic, you know, that, that's great and, and great to challenge themselves. Um, but, you know, again, we, as a committee, we can't, like, dictate what we want teams to do. Sure. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about bracketing because we could go forever, and uh, that's not fair to you nor to anybody else. Uh, we could certainly go in the weeds, and I'm sure we could talk about it more down the road about selections. There's only so much we're going to be able to get done tonight. Um, let's talk about bracketing. For the most part, this was a really fascinating bracket. First and foremost, I want to start with the big one. You got the staggered times that you wanted, sir. Was that because Yeshiva <laughs> helped you by getting into the tournament and not having to be discussed as an at-large either? Or was that was that something you guys actually were able to find the time to make a wholehearted effort doing? Dave, this is something that we are so proud of, in the, to be honest. You know, this is something that you know, I know you and I have talked about in the last couple of years. Um, we saw this a couple of years ago in the tournament when Yeshiva played at York and how that was fascinating that to have a couple afternoon Division three tournament games going on before the other first-round games took place that, that evening. Um, and as a committee, we continued to uh, discuss how awesome this would be for Division three men's basketball to have staggered times when you're not having 16 games and almost within 10 minutes of each other, uh, depending on the time zone sometimes. Um, 
And we made a concentrated effort to try to stagger the times. And what we basically did um, with the Johns Hopkins pod aside, because we knew that we had to tip Yeshiva um, earlier, but when we put out our host requirements, uh, we asked all the teams that put in the hosts, you know, if their gym was available all day and if they were, had any objection to uh, kind of flex scheduling or flex timing um, and all the bids that we got through and, and, and submitted, they, um, everybody had okayed that. Uh, it's also in our host operations manual that the, the Division Three Men's Basketball Committee reserves the right to um, tell the times for the games. And we basically went off of the old time of 5 and 7.30, and the most we did was 90 minutes before 5 o'clock, which would be 3.30, okay. and 6 was a pairing, 4 o'clock and 6.30 was a pairing, 5 and 7.30, the traditional one was a pairing, and then 6 and 8.30 was a pairing. So uh, we didn't want to get too crazy and, and have this mishmash of times. So we, we followed those four different uh, scheduled block times. Mm-hmm. And then um, the Shiva uh, at Johns Hopkins is a 1 o'clock. Um, so that was the only thing that was different. And you, you'll see on the bracket we went ahead and just assigned the times for that, those second-round games already yeah. in advance. So to me, uh, you know, this opportunity this year of having this joint championship in Atlanta um, and, and having our quarterfinals and semifinals in Fort Wayne and, and the try to debut um, kind of um, these these game times, it, to me, this is probably the closest we'll ever get to a Division One March Madness bracket for D3. <laughs> yeah, it does have a little bit of that feel to it. I hope it's some of the what you guys have done this year, outside of going to Atlanta every year, <laughs> um, yeah. is uh, in place for future years uh, as well. And we'll point out the next weekend, March 13th and 14th, uh, mm-hmm. The left side of the bracket will play on March 13th, and the right side will play on March 14th. Uh, will those times be staggered, or is that too early to say? No, they will be. Oh, great. Um, and, and again, you know, the, the whole opportunity, the, the thing that, you know, a team in the upper left quadrant could be the first game or the second game, whenever they tip to know that that's the game that all Division Three Hoops is, community is watching um, it's it's great, and I think we've you know as, as a D three hoops community we've uh, kind of migrated, and we're watching so many games online, and the streaming services are great um, nowadays. So I think this is groundbreaking. I think this hopefully will set a trend for Division three basketball and maybe other Division three sports moving forward. Yeah, certainly would be fun in some other sports as well. I agree with you there. Uh, let's talk about some of the things that popped out at me. I think I almost got a little giddy, uh, a little almost too giddy on the bracket show when when it <laughs> was reality was setting in. Not for me, but I think for for Division Three, both Northwest Conference teams, the Wits as we jokingly call them, the Twins, Whitman and Whitworth. Mm-hmm. Not in the same pod, not in the Northwest Conference or in the Northwest part of the country. They are in two different places. I never thought I'd see the day. I say that half jokingly. Uh, what led to that? What allowed you guys? Because I know you were going to have mm-hmm. some restrictions on this bracket. What allowed you guys to be able to pull that off? Yeah, I mean, this is something that I'm. Uh, another thing that I'm proud about this bracket is is to break up the Whitman and, and Whitworth. Uh, we've heard it as a committee uh, for for a couple of years, and I'm, I'm proud that we're able to to make that split when this happened. Uh, but what really made this come to fruition is when uh, two Texas schools got in and then Centenary 
from Louisiana was able to uh, be able to drive uh, to UT Dallas. Basically, that that reaffirmed that was going to be a a host and and a, and a pod, and then that we still had um, Whitman and Whitworth and um, Pomona Pitzer, mm-hmm. so we knew we were going to have three flights um, going into bracketing before we you know sent out on the bracket. We knew we we had three flights uh, going into the weekend, uh, more than likely. So. You know, once those things shifted in down south in Texas, and and also with Centenary when in their AQ, um, we were able to get creative and 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 fly those other three teams out yeah, to different so locations. Now, Pomona's Pomona is flying all the way to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I know that's not the first time a trip like that's happened. If memory serves, I think Whitworth has done that before. Sure. Um, but at the same time, a cross-country trip, changing three time zones, sometimes I could sh- I'm sure could throw some flags. Were you at all concerned about that? Have you heard any flack about that yet? We haven't, we haven't gotten any pushback. I mean, we actually got some thanks from, our, um, from the teams in Washington um, <laughs> for, for the change and, and the separation. But um, you know, the, the thought process behind Pomona to Emory was was basically from one large city in California to Atlanta. The the flight was probably going to be uh, the, tra- the travel would probably be smoother. Oh, sure, sure. Um, than maybe from the Northwest to Atlanta um, down in the Emory pod. So that was the thought process behind that one. Yeah, Whitworth and Whitman not necessarily close to any major airports. I mean, they're near airports, but it's usually sure. skipping a jump. Whereas you're right, Pomona coming right out of LA. I'm sure there's a lot of LA to Atlanta flights actually. Um, right. that you guys can probably find for them. Uh, all right, so overall on this bracket, a lot of diversity. We have different times. I, I'm just kind of glancing through th- some things. What were some of the challenges you guys faced when you mm-hmm. did I mean, did put this together that you tried to overcome? Yeah, I mean, we, we ran into an issue as a committee looking at this bracket late last night or I guess mid mid evening around. I mean, we started bracketing at nine o'clock. Okay. Um, just to give you that that uh, time sure. point of reference. So we started bracketing at nine, and we ended up having a bracket in front of in front of everybody by ten o'clock. Uh, but we had been working on it throughout the the afternoon and kind of had an idea. But once we got all the final selections in and how things shook out there. You know, a, a host that we had wanted to go to couldn't work out as far as getting a certain amount of teams there. Uh, so we had to pivot at the last minute and and, and find another spot um, to get the rest of the teams into the field. Um, you know, and as we've talked about this year, being the um, having this unique third round made things complicated when we were trying to bracket. Um, you know, we were trying to make sure that we would. You know, if you kind of look at it, you know, we were trying to keep pods together where, uh, example, Mount Union's pod um, and then Wittenberg, pairing those two together and then hoping that, you know, the teams that were in those pods can still all drive to a third round game um, next weekend on March 13th or 14th. Um, so it made things complicated. We had to do a lot more, um, I guess, Footwork on the on the front end of like, um, miles and and see how far a lot of the uh, the field was from certain locations. 
Did you? How much pushback did you get? Pushback did you get? And I'm asking that because I've got some interesting follow-ups. I'm just curious, though, to start with, how much pushback did you get from the bean counters on what you were doing, potentially, especially for that that second weekend? Um, yeah, to me, like we as a committee, we we weren't told we couldn't do this or that. You know, they told us. Um, you know, minimize the amount of flights, of course, and at the time things were budgeted for three, uh, as kind of been standard. Um, so to me, that, that was like the only thing that they had the reservations for. But, you know, if a team gets selected, uh, where, you know, of course, where they're from and their location does not play a role. Um, so if we, that adds another flight, it doesn't, you know, we have to make sure we're, we're, you know, following the criteria and picking the right teams. And we don't worry about that at that, at the time. When I look at the second round potentials or second round, I apologize, second weekend potentials, um, outside of some insane upsets, obviously there's going to have to be a minimum of one flight because you got to get the Texas schools somewhere. Um, uh, you know, if it all panned out with top seating, quote unquote, it would be Swarthmore, um, or, or somewhere else. But, I assume that was understood because sometimes we hear from from a, a committee chair that we had the, you know an idea set up and then all of a sudden you know the bean counters came back and said eh, eh, that's got a potential of this we're not allowing that. Yeah, and you know, in my experience on the committee, we've run into that in the past. Um, but this year, um, with the unique opportunity of hosting a third round, just one game alone on your campus, we had a a great. Um, response from teams putting in the host and we had more options than we've ever had before for this so we were looking at this when we were doing the bracketing um all right if we did these two kind of pods together of the eight teams in those pods you know who put in the host then the next next round and we went through it and you know we do have options um, for every every um, pod or quadrant or whatever you want to call it with those uh, teams. So um, it definitely helped having so many options this year. And, you know, we were trying to, once we had like a pod like Texas-Dallas and we knew that whoever won that was going to have to fly regardless, um, that kind of gives a little more flexibility as well. Going back to the one where you said where you wanted to go, any chance we find out what you really wanted to do there? No, I mean, you know, we... As you can imagine, too, like, you know, going through the bracketing process, you know, we had a couple versions of brackets, you know, late last week and then going to the weekend and then we tore them up after upsets and then (laughs) (laughs) went back to the drawing board. Um, So we had different ideas, you know, things were kind of fluid throughout the weekend. Um, You know, we were hoping, you know, this one area would have worked, but then it didn't. Um, so then we had this kind of pivot and we had to be flexible and we had to hurry. You know, we don't, you know, time is of the essence when we're trying to put this together. Um, and, you know, to me, this is the most challenging bracket that we've ever put together because of the different requirements and things that were going on. Uh, but again, at the end of the day, I think this is probably, you know, one of the best complete brackets uh, for Division Three men's basketball that we can have. And, you know, to have that Division One March Madness feel at the D3 level, it, to me, this feels big time. Sure. Um, anybody that you wanted to have host that didn't allow you be based on what we usually hear, like last year, problem with paperwork, conflicts, whatever the case may be? Yeah, and there was a couple of teams that um, either you know started a bit, didn't finish, or didn't put in paperwork. So 
we had to, you know, move along if they didn't have the paperwork. Um, we can't force a team to host if they're not, um, you know, they might have something on their campus that we don't, we're unaware of and they're not physically able to host, um, which is fine and we respect that. Um, but, you know, there, there are a couple uh, teams that we looked at and then, uh, you know, we had to move on after, after we knew that they didn't put in the host. Sure. Um, when you looked at what potentially is the Sweet 16, I'm assuming that got thrown out um, because you're going to have travel to Fort Wayne that you just can't avoid? Correct. Okay. And, and obviously the Atlanta is a whole different can of worms uh, than, than we need to discuss at all. Uh, what else about this bracket that you guys really tried to either accomplish or that you guys took pride in? Sure. Um, you know, like, you know, some of the brackets we've had in the past, they've maybe been a little more uh, diverse with the regions because of the way things were set up. Um, we couldn't do that completely across the board, and we realized that. Uh, we did the best we could, but trying to keep things a little more closer to home in certain areas, and because of that third round game made things a little more complicated. So, you know, some people aren't seeing maybe the diversity on the front end of this, but I think once you see the third round and going to the quarterfinals and semifinals, um, we're excited to see how that plays out. I think we can have some um, amazing matchups once we get to Fort Wayne and even some of these third round games if things shake out a certain way. Um, and then, you know, just keeping, you know, as a committee, we keep a pulse of, you know, some of the storylines that are happening in Division Three basketball and, you know, you know, Coach Calhoun going to the home of basketball mm-hmm. and, and Charlie Brock there in Springfield, you know, that, that would be a great, you know, great story going into that first round game this weekend. Um, you know, Yeshiva going to Baltimore, um, mm-hmm. a large, you know, Jewish community there. Um, it's exciting. You know, to me, you know, some of these other storylines are starting to come out also. You know, uh, a coach from that might have coached at a, at a school that they're going to face now. So it's interesting to see how things played out, and um, we're really happy about this. I hate to go back in time on this, and I apologize, because I should have asked this while we were talking about selections. Um, Hobart being the third, uh, essentially the third, we're going to call it, uh, team in from the Liberty League, I know that's one of those where a lot of people are looking at it, and I think that's where we lean towards some of the conversation of not as strong an SOS, um, but a good win-loss percentage for the most part, but then maybe a possible results versus. Any any sense of how... Of how Hobart got in? Yeah, you know Hobart, you know, with, with Ithaca winning the Liberty League um, and uh, and you know upsetting RPI in that championship on Sunday, you know, pushed uh, RPI and, and Hobart to that Pool C area. Uh, looking at Hobart, you know, twenty-one and five, five twenty-one. Uh, they were three and four, though, in, in the uh, record versus ranked opponents. They also had a really strong non-conference SOS, uh, 557, and and you know, those losses also in the the ranked opponents. When you look at the complete results, you know they 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 lost uh, RPI twice, Brockport. Uh, they also had wins against Ithaca twice and, and Rochester. So, um, you know Hobart um, got in on on that pool C, and um, so they. Uh, they were a strong candidate there also. And, and to some degree, um, well, in the grand scheme of things, there's a better way of saying this. You guys had a lot of upsets you had to deal with, which probably made your job easy, but you didn't have a lot of upsets that caused too much chaos and maybe helped teams like Hobart shine. Is that a way of saying that? Or 
I, I'm, I don't know if I'm putting words in your mouth, because I know the Central was a mess, don't get me wrong, but in yeah. some other places, like Yeshiva, St. Joseph, as you point out, and others, some potential real headaches didn't pop up. Yeah, you know, it, we knew going into this weekend that conference tournaments, there's always the, the, the possibility of these upsets happening, and it's always a, usually a handful of them that um, that do happen. Um, and you're right, and I think certain times, you know, certain upsets um, happen, and and it makes things a little easier on the committee sometimes on the pool seats because you know that team's going to get in, um, you know. But you have a centennial conference championship between Hopkins and Swarthmore. Right? You know, you know Hopkins got the AQ, but Swarthmore um, was definitely going to get a pool C bid. So certain teams on that once that pool C selections began, we were able to, to push through a couple teams automatically. Um, through the voting process, knowing that that you know those teams were going to get in, and as the things played out on Sunday and different upsets were happening, um, it made things a little more complicated for us trying to think. All right, well then, where does this you know put this one team here or another team there? Uh, especially you know you know looking at the bubble. Any chance I can pull out of you who the last four teams were in were? <laughs> We're, no, I mean, we're not allowed to disclose that. So, um, unfortunately, it's your last year, Sam. That. It's your last year. They can't do anything to you. Come on, we've had it. We've had it once or twice in a blue moon. We can yeah. have another blue moon, right? Yeah. Uh, well, no. Go, oh, I, oh, no! Don't stop. You almost did it. I heard no. it. Uh, darn. Good um, try. Good try, I Dave. I tried. I tried. Um, all right. So this is your last year. And I would agree that I've heard from others that they get a better sense of where things stand. I think there's always going to be the outliers or the challenges or whatever you want to pick. And I think any committee you put together is going to come up with different results in the last couple of picks. And it's just to be honest. Sure. What has changed the most, though, in your four years? There's been a lot of change. I think, you know, of how, you know, things were done with the bracket, how things were done with criteria. Um, you know, even just even how the game operations are handled with with the championship. Um, you know, so to me, like this experience has been you know amazing and rewarding. Um, but just to see the the change in Division Three basketball um, across the board and continue to see the parity and how deep um, the the field is 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 just great. And you know, we're starting to, and then what we've been able to see in Salem. A couple of years ago, and in Fort Wayne last year, and then going into this year, um, the matchups. Once we get to March Madness and get to the postseason, um, you know, to me is that's what you know pays off the most. And seeing those student athletes celebrate a championship or celebrate uh, going to the going to the national semifinals, that's you know terrific. Uh, Sam, I appreciate the time. I know we've taken a lot of it. Um, I don't think we got to every question that probably people have, and it's just not going to happen. Um, maybe we'll get a chance to, to dive into this a little bit later or even deeper or whatever the case may be. Anything uh, that you think is important to mention that I haven't asked about that you think needs to get out there? Um, no, Dave, I think we covered a lot this afternoon. I'm sure, there, like you said, there'll be more questions, but to me, you know, I hope uh, the fans and the teams are receptive to um, the staggered game times, and I, I hope this could be a, a trend in the future. 
And as awkward as this seems, any final thoughts? Because we always leave that as the final, uh, as a tradition. Any final <laughs> yeah. thoughts you have with those who might be tuning in? Well, just a couple things, Davey. You know, this might be my last time speaking with you. Um, you know, being the national chair for men's basketball, and it's been a great ride on the, in that regard. So I just want to thank all our RAC members, and especially my national committee uh, colleagues, for for the last four years of, of being a part of this, and also for for those committee members to. Um, trust me and, and, and vote, vote me into the chair position. It's been a great um, pleasure and honor to, to be this chair for the last two years. Uh, I also want to thank Alex Mortalero, our NCAA liaison, for all his hard work behind the scenes. Um, I don't think a lot of people appreciate or see everything he's doing that makes sure this championship is run um, like a Division One March Madness championship. So a lot of little details and everything that goes into that. Um, also want to thank the Fort Wayne folks and how – uh, they were promoting the selections today and painting the town blue again in Fort Wayne and looking forward to us getting to Atlanta. And the last thing, Dave, this, um, you know, for myself being a sports information director, uh, being able to chair a national committee these last two years has been amazing, and I really hope this is another area of groundbreaking and trailblazing that to see more sports information directors get an opportunity like this to show that um, SIDs can bring a lot to a national committee, uh, national sport committee, um, in helping to run the uh, national championship. Yeah, I agree with that last part. I think uh, there's a lot of SIDs out there that I would love to see on some committees. Sam, appreciate the time as always. Um, I look forward to seeing you in Fort Wayne and maybe in Atlanta as well. Uh, enjoy at least some sleep uh, if you can get some. And thanks for your time and openness. I, uh, um, even if we didn't get to everything everybody wanted or it doesn't appease everybody, I at least appreciate uh, what you gave us for information. Uh, and uh, enjoy. We'll talk to you soon. You too, Dave. And thanks for all you do for D3 Basketball. Well, thanks, Sam. I appreciate it. He is Sam Atkinson, who is uh, the National Committee Chair for Men's Basketball, but he's also the Associate Director of Communications at Gallaudet. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoops Hotline. Appreciate Sam coming on the show and discussing those questions. Actually, I think I got more answers than I expected. There's a lot of times when you ask a blunt question like, why did X team get in over Y? And you don't get an answer from a committee chair. And Sam was willing to at least break down his reasons um, or the committee's reasons for why they made those decisions. Uh, even hinted, if you didn't pay attention, he even ind indicated that Wisconsin lacrosse men were not that close to even getting to the table. That after Eau Claire came Illinois Wesleyan and then Cla uh, lacrosse. So we can have this conversation that, um, you know, lacrosse maybe had a better resume than Eau Claire, including two wins against Eau Claire. But it's irrelevant if they're two spots back. And... Um, Illinois Wesleyan being in there too. It, again, on the central region, the, the, the list we worked off of that we had gleaned as it were, we were wrong in one thing and that wash U ended up staying in the four spot. Everything else stayed in order instead of wash U being in the, what was it? The seven spot or maybe the six spot. Basically they had wash U, Benedict and St. Norbert. We had Benedict and St. Norbert wash U and then Oshkosh Eau Claire. Um, and then we also had Illinois Wesleyan lacrosse. So, I appreciate him coming on. Wish we could have gotten that last four out of him or some other details, but maybe some other time. With that in mind, we'll take a break. When we come back, we will switch gears, but not switch topics. We will go to the women's side of things. We will talk to Karen Harvey, who is joining us live tonight to talk about the women's selections and some of the challenges that they had. We'll try and figure out 
not why we missed five. I, I, can, I can guesstimate why we missed five, but we'll talk to her about the selections that they made and the bracketing that they have done. It'll be an interesting conversation, I'm sure, and uh, you should tune in. You are watching the Sensible Sports Marketing Hoopsville Special Bracketing Breakdown, or Brackets Breakdown, however you want to call it. We appreciate our friends at Sensible Sports Marketing for helping us out. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Back with more when we come back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division Three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. Our obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else 
is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Uh, broadcasting from the WBCA NABC studios. I want to thank you for coming on and are listening, I should say, to the uh, Get Sports Sense bracketing special here. And uh, lots to talk about, to say the least. And, uh, well, we're going to try and get to you answers when we can. And we just heard from Sam Atkinson, the men's basketball committee chair. In a moment, we'll hear from Karen Harvey, the women's basketball committee chair. And... Uh, Head coach of the Montclair State Redhawks, who are into the tournament as well. If you got questions for Karen, not that I'm guaranteeing I'm going to be able to get to them, you can always tweet them at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email them, hoopsville at d3sports.com. Uh, you can also try and send them on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we're simulcasting the show. Use that window. Uh, that's where I see the messages. I don't tend to see those going into the inbox during the show. Or on YouTube, youtube.com slash D3Hoopsville. All right, so the women's bracket is out, and yeah, un sadly for us, we missed five. Uh, so that's just the reality of things sometimes. You can't always get them right, but granted, we didn't get a lot right, uh, if you look at it, unfortunately, but that's just how the cookie crumbles, as they say, right? Um, so where did we go wrong? I'm not sure, but where could we do better? I certainly know the answer to that one, um, and that's when, by talking to committee chairs. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline is Karen Harvey the head coach of Montclair State, as we mentioned, the Women's Basketball Committee chair and coach. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us here to discuss all of this. Um, first and foremost, let me start with... Yeah, how, how do you think it went from your perspective? The entire process. What'd you say? Yeah, well, I mean, I yeah, from, from start to finish. How, how do you think everything went? I, you know, I think it went pretty good. It's obviously tough, y you know... There was a lot of we have. There was a lot of discussion. It took a long time to do um, the selection period. Um, it took us a while. We really tried to take our time. There was a lot of tough decisions to make. So I think that that took a little bit longer than we thought. And then obviously, you know, we 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 really had a, a game that we're in a little bit late, so we didn't get started until a little bit later than we'd have liked to. But for the most part, it was pretty smooth. And I actually thought that. You know, the bracketing um, went well, and then we did something. We'll talk about this in a minute probably, but we did something <laughs> a little bit different this year, and I really liked how that went. So I think for the most part, you know, there's always a couple things. I don't want to say, you know, mistakes, but there's a couple things that you wish you could have done differently if you were able to do it. But there's just some things that you can't, you can't make work even though you want to. Now that we got that softball out of the way, any chance you could uh, step us through the uh, regional rankings, how they finish? Because, unfortunately, they haven't been posted online yet. Um, yeah, I think they're going to go. I mean, they should be out shortly. I think they're going to be out. They're supposed to go out tomorrow, right? Uh, usually they come out after the brackets. Men's have been up for about, oh, let's call it six hours. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> is there a particular region? I have. Well, no. I mean, of- I just uh, I'm flying a little blind because I don't know the final regional rankings, so I don't know in some of these cases where some of these teams hashed out. If okay. that makes any sense. And and when, and I say that because one of the teams that a lot of people on the men's side are arguing about is, well, why didn't lacrosse get a chance? Well, it turns out they were two, st- two spots below the last team who was picked out of that region, so thus still behind another team that was at the table. So that, that, sometimes that helps drive the question or at least gives sure. people the, an understanding. Sure. Uh, well, if you're talking about the Great Lakes, so... Um, the <laughs> oh, Great you Lakes- knew I might be going there? <laughs> Wow, about the Great Lakes, um, Hope was one, Baldwin Wallace was two, DePaul was three, Transylvania was four, Trine was five, Ohio Northern was six, John Carroll seven, Hanover eight, St. Vincent nine. Okay. Uh, I pr- thank you. Um, curious how the Central shook out. Um, yeah, that was a tough one. <laughs> it, it really was. We spent a long time on that. Um, you and the men both. Tough. Yeah, just from the national call, it was a really tough region. I mean, there's some great teams in that region, which makes it even tougher, I think. Um, all right, uh, Whitewater was one, Chicago was two, Wheaton, Illinois, three, Oshkosh, four, Illinois, Wesleyan, five, Edgewater, six, Venue was seven, uh, Lacrosse was eight, and Eau Claire was nine. Interesting, okay. And only because it's, it, it, I was just kind of curious because we got stuck here again like we did last year. How did the Atlantic shake out? The Atlantic region, Marymount 1, Rowan 2, um, DeSales 3, Montclair 4, Cabrini 5, huh. Mercury Marine 6, Misericordia 7, Mount St. Mary 8. All right, so Cabrini was at the table. Okay. Um, it, not that it changes anything with Cabrini. We had Cabrini at the table, too. Uh, I just wanted to make sure because I, I said something earlier that was a little more confusing. I think after every question, we'll just ask for another region. Uh, all right. So, in, interesting enough, we did get five wrong. But the one thing I said at the beginning of this show that I found fascinating was I thought this might have been one of the more difficult selections on the women's side that I have seen in a number of years. Not that it's ever easy. Don't get me wrong. But there, because I think sometimes we can get through half maybe two-thirds, kind of confidently, we stalled out about a third of the way in. Um, yeah, right about nine. Yeah, roughly, I think maybe yeah. a seven for us. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, we're, yeah. We're, we're splitting hairs a little. Yeah, it felt like it got a little bit into the, not into the weeds, but you started getting very, at least we did, very different resumes at the table. Did you guys have a similar experience? Uh, yes, we did. Yeah, I think we, you know, um, we, we did pretty good. I think pretty good. They felt pretty good through eight. And then, um, right. That stalled quite a bit around the eight, nine, 10, 11. And then, um, you know, I think it was a little clearer for a while there. And then 17, 18, 19, 20 is always, always very difficult. By the way, I should have prefaced some of this, Karen. I forgot this. And you mentioned, you used a key word in there that I should have I should have gone back to, it's been a long day. I know it's been a long day for you, too. Um, plain and simple, your team was at the table for a significant part of the time, so you did not participate in the call. And, and, and well, I, I don't want to say anything. You explain why we're, we're chatting with you tonight, though, because it, 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 you're in a tough spot to some degree. 
Um, yes. So, uh, you know, as, as the rule goes, if your team is on the board, then you are not on the selection call. And Montclair State was the first team on the board in the Atlantic region. So I was not on selections until Montclair State was selected. So I had, you know, uh, 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 certainly was on for a portion of the selections, um, but it was, you know, I did miss a portion of it for sure. And then, you know, what I had to do was go back today and, you know, had some conversations with my colleagues to find out how the first portion of that selection went because, you know, that's my job as the chair is to know what, you know, what, what they were thinking and how it went and, you know, go through their notes with them, you know, so that I can try to provide, you know, clarification to you and everyone else mm-hmm. who's listening. Um, and so, and we should also point out, this happened a couple of years ago when Whitewater uh, head of, head of the Whitewater team and head of the committee was also in a similar situation. She yeah. she dumped this on Bobby Morgan uh, <laughs> at Haverford, and God bless Bobby, who and I who who she and I have gotten to know each other very well, mainly because I see her once a year in basketball season on the minimum. Um, she at least stood up, you know, got up and and tried to do her best. I, I get worried that the committee's scared of me, Karen. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I this is a Dave, sense I'm getting. You know what it is, Dave, is I feel like you and I, we've been doing this for a while now, yeah. and I wouldn't want to miss out on this call this time with you. It's, oh, you know, Karen. Pretty, pretty. Well, well covered, Karen. <laughs> well covered for your brethren. You are you are chair for the rest of your term. Uh, <laughs> and that I feel sorry for you about. Um, or maybe your spokesperson. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. All right, so let's get back to these selections. Um, you You went right to the Great Lakes without me prompting. And for the record, I, we didn't talk much prior to this. And this morning, you and I did talk, but we didn't get to this section. We only talked about bracketing because I needed right. to focus on that. Right. You went straight to the Great Lakes. Either you've been watching social media or you've been getting calls. You know there's a couple teams in the OAC who really want to understand why they're not in. So why are John Carroll and uh, Ohio Northern not in right. this tournament? Yep. Um yeah, I would. I mean, I, I would have liked Ohio. For, uh, Ohio Northerners above John Carroll, so we would have had to get Ohio. Right, Northern I did in. it in the wrong order, okay. but right. Yep. 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 So, I, I mean, we would have liked to get Ohio Northern in. It, it's a tough one. I look at it today, and I still think it's tough that they didn't get in. I, you know, I don't. It's not one of those things that you feel good about. Um, but when 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 they got on the board and the teams that they were on the board with, they just. You know, they, they're 20 and 7. They have seven losses. Now, granted, four of those losses are to ranked teams, and they have some good, you know, they have some good ranked wins, but, you know, and their strength of schedule is good at a 530. Their non conference is fine at a five, or sorry, 556 and a 530. But the one thing that they have is a really, really bad loss. And while we look at the whole body of work, when you're comparing Ohio Northern's whole body of work to other teams' whole body of work, if they don't have that, then that hurts them. You know, they, they had a loss to a team that only won one game all season. Say that one. Say that last part again. They only had a. They only had a what? They had a loss to a team that was a point zero nine five. Okay, so. Yeah, you guys, and you said this, and Gordon Mann picked up on this. You, you do talk about that. You guys look at the entire resume, and maybe you as a committee look at the losses more than the men do. Um, we do look at bad losses. We do consider them. Yeah, we do look at them. And, and that, I mean, 
you know, in a, in a similar situation, look at Cabrini. Cabrini has a fantastic resume. Mm-hmm. I, I think Cabrini is a great basketball team. They have bad losses, and we take those into consideration. When you're when everything is so close, and you have so many teams that are so good, when you're looking at twenty two and five teams mm-hmm. and twenty of five teams, and the strength of schedule is a five fifty six and a five fifty two. And they have three rank wins and four rank wins, and everything else compares. You have to find a way to separate them. And so you might look at your look at a team and say, "All right, they they're pretty close, and they have no bad losses. And this team has a bad loss. So, and if you had two more spots, Ohio North. If you had one more spot, maybe Ohio Northern gets them. By the way, you came back on the call, so you certainly at some point were having this conversation. I was on Ohio Northern was on the board. Right. Um, curious. I don't know how to gently, not gently ask this, but I don't have a, a, a more creative way of asking this. Where does a bad loss fit in your in where you're looking at criteria? Like what? It fits in it when you're looking at their strength of schedule. Okay. When everything is equal, and you're looking at strength of schedule, and you're trying to find something that separates them. Okay. And everything is tied, you know, and every you've got to find something. So then you're looking at bad losses. It's just okay. part of the schedule criteria. Okay. I, I, I'm and, just, that's why you know, I, it's not, it's certainly not a separate category. We don't hang our hat on it. It's not, and I don't want to get this twisted. It's not, uh-huh. it's a very small, small piece of it. But when everything is so close, you have to find a way to separate teams. And if a team, you know, hasn't lost to another team under 500 and someone else has, well, then you take that some part of their resume and you take a look at it. Okay. I appreciate it. I just wanted to make sure. By the way, one of the regions I forgot to ask, too, about was West. How did, mm-hmm. how did, how did that rank out at the end? Yep. Hold on a second. Yep, I realized I was trying to drag that one a little bit for you. Cause, yep. um, because another right. question's coming out of that region. Okay. Yeah, so the West is Warburg at one, Bethel at two, Lourdes at three, Whitman at four, George Fox at five, Augsburg, who I'm sure you're talking about, at six, St. Thomas at seven, and Simpson at eight. Okay, so George Fox moved up with the win over Whitman. I, I, I get it. It doesn't change it. Doesn't change the fact that Augsburg was sitting there at the table yeah. for probably a, a lengthy period of time. Um, g- give yep. us the reasons Augsburg didn't sit well in the sense of being able to be selected for this tournament? Sure. Well, well Augsburg and Ohio Northern were on the board at the same time. Um, Fascinating. And if, well, of course they um, were. Of course they were. Of course they were, right? So Augsburg is 22-5. and five. Uh, They have their 3-3 three and three with ranked wins. Their three ranked wins are all over number seven, and they're all the same team. And their three losses are all against number two, all the same team. All the same team, right. So, so it, three wins and three losses against two teams. Okay. Um, their strength of schedule is a 547. Their non-conference strength of schedule is a 475. And they have one bad loss. And they have no wins over 800. Okay. No wins over 800. Okay. No, no wins over 800. So when you compare them to some other teams, like if you're looking at the West, and we know the West is unique and Non-conference strength of schedule sometimes can be tough for them. Mm-hmm. But, like, when you look at it, Warburg has a 618. I mean, I could just go down. Bethel this is the non-conference SOS. Yeah, it's the non-conference. Loris has a 575. Whitman has a 538. George Fox has a 635. 
below them, St. Thomas, 675. Simpson, 630. And what was Augsburg's again? 475. That was their non-conference. Non-conference. Yeah, that's... So, yeah. They only have you know, five games, and they and they have a 475 that speaks volumes. Right. So, yeah. I, you know, that, that was part of it, because if everything you're looking, you're like, all right, they're 22-5, awesome record, good rank, you know, rank, three rank wins, uh, seven, not, uh, you know, they're just over a good team. You know, we know that, but still, they're over seven. Okay, they have a bad loss under 500, and their non-conference is a 475. They didn't compare well to the other team's there was just other teams that were stronger. Um, do you worry about breaking into that non-conference, though, when you do look at an Augsburg with five games, uh, that that's all they can work with? I, there's a lot of teams that only have five teams, five games. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I mean, we're not, we don't look at it unless we can't make a decision in the primary. Right, I realize. It, it's sort of the same thing, you know what I mean? Like, we... We obviously use the primary to make all of our decisions, but then when we can't make a decision in the primary, we have to find a way to see. And, you know, we do it to – David, you and I talked about this last time. We do it to help teams, too, because we want to be like, okay, hey, they've got a good resume. They've got a 547. The team we're looking at them against has got a 575. Well, let's take a look at their non-conference strength of schedule. Did they go out and try to – you know what I mean? Or Mm -hmm. you, like, look at it in teams that are – 23 and 2 and have a 510. Okay. Did, did they try to go out and play other teams? Like, can we help them that way? So I think we use the non conference not, not to hurt teams, but we try to use it to help teams. No, I get that. I, I'm just, I, I know people are going to be like, well, they only have five games, and that's why I ask. And you point out uh, St. Thomas had a six something, correct, in their non conference? St. Thomas was a 676. Okay. And and an Opetha was over six hundred. So, um, so when it came down to it, obviously the bad losses came into play. If you had to go that deep, if you had to go deep in the non-conference, you pointed out a few examples there. Well, how about some of these others? Because I think one of the more interesting things too here is you had some other int- resumes that were fascinating. You had a William Peace that got in. Uh, you had yeah. a Benedictine that got in. Um, and, and the men had some similar situations as well. But, for example, what made William Peace's resume possibly a better argument than, and granted, they may not have been at the table with Ohio Northern or Augsburg, I get that, but what makes their their resume jump out to get them into the tournament or a Benedictine for that matter or any of those that, that seem a little different like that? Sure. Um, I don't. You know what, Dave, I'm going to be honest. I don't have William Peace's numbers right in front of me, and I don't have them memorized. Okay. Happen to have, um, have... I, know they had, I know that they were a very similar resume. I know that they had three ranked wins. I'm just trying to do what I can remember off yep. the top of my head. Um, oh, yeah, here we go. Well, they're ranked fifth in the region, so they're up a spot from sure. these other two teams we're talking about, right? They were 23-3. and three. Um, They had... Uh, Two ranked wins, uh, or no, sorry, three ranked wins. Uh, non-conference strength of schedule was a 654 and no bad losses. Okay. Uh, and Benedictine? Um, <laughs> what region is that? Central, sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I could help you there. You really got me flipping around here. Yeah, I, I, I'm jumping on you, and I, I apologize. 
got my eight regions here. All right. Um, they were ranked seventh. Um, so 24 and three, uh, three and three ranked wins. Their strength of schedule is a 509. Hmm. Okay. Yep. So what jumps out about them that gets that, that at large? Or oh, I guess the non-conference was the 509 you said? Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Oh, the regular. Was, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So what jumps yep. out about their resume then? Um, I think it was the three, uh, the record 24 and three and the three ranked wins. Okay. Um, I, I'm almost tempted as a joke to jump into the East region for you. Uh, but speaking <laughs> of which, we had a situation, and, and I think we chatted about this earlier off air, but we had a situation on our on our panel where we had Cabrini and NYU at the table at the same time. And I don't know if you guys did or not at the same time, and, and that might be a big difference here. Um, and you mentioned earlier Cabrini had the four bad losses, but they did have the head-to-head win over NYU. And, and from a lot of what I gather over time, the head-to-head should be respected and, and certainly don't want to disagree with that. Of course. Maybe we overthought it or we didn't think it through enough. I don't know which, but we decided to hang NYU out because of Cabrini. In other words, if we're going to pick NYU, we got to take Cabrini because Cabrini's got to win over them. Right. What, was there other data points we missed, didn't appreciate? And granted, we don't have all the data. Um, right. But it, were, were there aspects there that we missed that would have driven us to maybe have chosen NYU despite that head-to-head loss to Cabrini? Um, uh, Dave, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I don't think that they were on the board at the same time. Okay, fair. Uh, because NYU was a four in the East. And I have a feeling that SUNY Geneseo was on the board when Cabrini was on the board. She was, okay, okay. Um, I, so I don't think, I'm just saying, you're, you're comparing NYU to Cabrini, and I don't think we had that comparison. And I get that. And I said, yeah, and I said at the beginning, I wasn't sure if that was the case. We happened to get there. Doesn't mean you guys got there. And I again realize you also weren't part of the call for a period of time. And again, your your brethren are scared of me. Um, I mean, that's going to be the hashtag. Um, all right. So I'm sure your phone has been ringing off the hook because, and again, I think, it was, yeah, it was a little bit more difficult this year. I'm curious how you attack those questions or 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 handle them. Maybe is a better word when you get questions from. And I don't know who's called you, but I'm gonna I'm just gonna use names. An Augsburg coach or an Ohio Northern coach. Well, I don't know if I want to talk to Michelle. Um, or a John Carroll coach or any of these others who felt like they were maybe deservingly in the tournament and didn't. How do you handle those calls? Sure. I, I mean, that's part of my job as the chair. Um, and what I try to do is, I mean, honestly, I, I, I want, I, I've had a lot of those phone conversations, even if throughout the ranking period. Um, and then obviously, you know, and, and I would rather have them call and let's have a conversation, and I'm very open, same way I am with you, Dave. I try to give you as much information as I possibly am allowed to, and if a coach calls, I'll just sit down and go through the rankings with them. I'll go through their resume. I'll tell them what I see, and I'll explain to them the rationale. They might not always agree with me, but we also want to help teams. You know, like I, I had a conversation with a coach last year who didn't get into the tournament. He had a pretty good resume, didn't get into the tournament, and he called, and we, and, and, and we talked, and I said, listen, like you – You've got to do something with your non-conference schedule. You've got it. Your conference is weak. Your your strength of schedule is not good. But you've got to try to go out and play some other teams and do some other things. And 
this is how you compare to other teams. You need some a ranked winner to, you know, that kind of thing. So I think it's, it, and I get it. Like, I, I, you know, we want we, we want to put the best field of 64 in, but I also know what it feels like to not get in. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, 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 we've all been there. We know what it's like when your team doesn't get in. It's awful. And, you know, I, I look at if I was Ohio Northern, I wouldn't feel great about it either. I, no one feels good about it on the National Committee. We wish we could have gotten them in, but we couldn't. You know, the, the, the numbers and the other teams that we're in, you know, whenever one team doesn't get in, another team does. Well, you know? the, right. Are you really saying, like, oh, this team does not deserve to get in the tournament? I don't think there's anybody in this field that got an at-large bid that doesn't deserve to be in the tournament. Uh, I'm never going to argue that because there's always more teams deserving to be in the tournament than can be in the tournament, period. Um, and we're, we're always going to get to a point, even if I got all of them right, we're going to have people who aren't up. Or if, even if we got them all right, I mean, you know, in, in our mock selections, there's not going to be anybody out there who's going to be happy with the selections. Um, I'm curious, I asked Sam this to some degree. Did you guys – is Anything about the criteria you wish was slightly different or, 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 or adjusted or something to help you guys maybe make the decisions a little bit better? Or does the criteria work? Um, in my opinion, I think the criteria works. Uh, you know, I, I felt like the addition of the non-conference strength of schedule, and you and I talked about this, I thought it was a good addition. I thought that it has helped us. Um, you know, would it be, uh, I don't know, you could argue, like, would an RPI, use of an RPI, would that help us? You know, I don't know, because I haven't, you know, I've been working five years in this system, so I'm comfortable with it. I understand how it works. Try to find the balance. I like that it's a whole body of work. I like that we're trying to look at everything. I like that we're trying to balance between win-loss and strength of schedule and ranked wins and all of that stuff. So, so, you know, in my opinion, I think the criteria does work. I know. I think I asked you this earlier in the year, and I'm kind of curious now that you've gone through it another time. Would not having the names on the screen help, hurt, indifferent? Names of the schools. Oh, I see. So would it be like number one, number two? Just a just blank. Here's your resume from the Atlantic. Here's your <laughs> resume from the Great Lakes. Here's your resume from the West, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I think it'd get a little confusing. <laughs> sure. I, you could probably deduce, too, looking at their schedule. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm just curious. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't I, I don't think it's like that, though. Like, I really don't. Like, I don't. I, not in my experience, Dave. I don't think that someone's getting in because of their name or not sure. getting in because of their name. I, like, I really don't feel that way. I, I can't tell you how hard the members of of the national committees that I've been a part of have worked to try to, you know, get the best field possible and give everyone a fair opportunity and give, provide those teams, student athletes with the best possible experience. I mean, we all want to, we're all volunteering hours and hours and hours of our time. And we do it not like unselfishly. Like I, I, I don't, I don't need to do this to help my team. You know what I mean? My program is established. I don't need to do this. But, like, I, I want to help women's basketball. And, and, I, you know, we all work really hard at it to try and do the best we can. So, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think that the name on the paper or not on the paper would have make any difference as to who we selected. I appreciate that. No, it's, it's just always been a curiosity. 
uh, more than anything. So I appreciate the, the thought on that. Uh, let's switch gears to bracketing because I, I don't know how much further we can go down that rabbit hole uh, unless the guys have, are thinking of something. Um, let's talk about bracketing. Fascinating bracket. Um, let me start with the one that, I, that made me a little giddy on the show, if you were watching. Certainly made me giddy on the men's show. The Northwest Conference teams are yeah. not in the same pod in the northwest part of the country. Yeah. Did you slip one past the NCAA? <laughs> no, no, we didn't. No, we have uh, we we flew out the west. Yeah, we have three flights. So, um, I you know I, I it's been something that we've been working on, and I think yeah. that we good about it. We wanted to give them some different opponents. God, if we could do that for Texas, we'd be thrilled. You know, I think that we're always talking about Texas and, 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 and the West. Like, we're always talking about those two areas and trying to give their student-athletes a different experience and trying to give their student-athletes a positive experience. And this year, you know, I, I thought that the National Committee did, did that for, for the West team. Like, we're able to fly them out and give them a different experience. And, you know, and I hope it'll be a positive one for those teams. You know, I think sure. it's... You know, and, and we we tried every way to Sunday to try to do something with the Texas pod, too. But we couldn't do it. You know, you could, we got three flights. That's what we're going to get. We're not going to get four or five. And, um, you know, and that's where we ran into a couple situations with the Texas. And then with, with Oglethorpe, you know, that's a situation we, we would have liked to have been able to perhaps have them host. Um, you know, but because of their location, it would have created one more flight, and we just couldn't. We couldn't figure it out. We couldn't do it. There was no way to do it yeah. logistically. We tried everything. I uh, I was watching the uh, bracket or the bracket reveal clip that they sent out. I think from UMHB, and uh, admittedly, it might have been the least enthusiastic. Granted, they they knew what they were in. But I think they saw the four Texas schools too, and you could see a few of them looking at each other like, "Oh, don't we don't we know that team?" Uh, right. But, yeah, we kind of knew that was coming. Uh, any calls from anybody about the fact? I, I asked the men this about um, Pomona Pitzer heading to Atlanta, but you've got George Fox heading to just outside the nation's capital in Marymount. Long yeah. trip across the country. A any any feedback on that? No, I think it's been, uh, as far as I know, it's been positive. But, you know, I don't think that, I, I think they're excited to go, not go to the Midwest again, um, <laughs> and to go to different regions. You know, and so, no, I, I, we haven't heard anything. The only reason I ask is, one, it's across the country in three time zones, and so I always think of that. But second, I would, Penn State, whomever, was shipped out to George Fox. Uh, I got a few people asking me about that, weren't pleased. I thought it was great, and I understand there's travel, but it's the NCAA tournament, and it's cool to have that experience. So uh, George Fox in the nation's capital, not the worst thing in the world. Um, and he calls from Redlands about the fact they're getting lined up with Whitewater. <laughs> No, 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 no. I, I didn't think so. I think it's actually a fascinating matchup. Um, some other things that jumped out at me. You guys seem to have um, a little bit. I don't want to say more creativity because I think there's always been a little bit of creativity. But you certainly seem to maybe have some fun. And again, I want to step back and 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 clarify. You didn't participate, and maybe we can jump into that in a moment here. Yeah. But I know you asked some questions as you as you said earlier. The, the bracket had a lot of interesting mixing up, as it were. Sure. Yeah, and I thought, so, uh, well, Dave, let's just get into it now. So I okay. actually was not, Rip the not on the bracketing. Yeah, we'll just do it now. I was not on the bracketing. Um, and, you know, we uh, uh, the guidelines that we have filed from the NCAA 
um, is that if your team is in the tournament, you are not on the bracketing um, because that we felt the NCAA feels like that creates an unfair advantage. Um, so any of the national committee members that were in the tournament were not on the bracketing. Now I asked, I put a request into the NCAA to review that and see if we could get, make an exception for this year because we knew we were going to have a few members in. Uh, they said that they wanted to stay with it, but we came up with a compromise. And so what happened was that nobody in the tournament did the bracket, but then the bracket was sent out to everyone in the national committee and we had an opportunity to review it all morning. And then what I did was I got on the call with the members that did the bracket and we talked through a bunch of things. Um, and then that's when we could make, we made some switches and we made some adjustments and, and, you know, fresh eyes look at the bracket and see something different. And then, you know, I thought we did a really good job. Um, and I thought they did, they, I thought they did a phenomenal job. And obviously there's, you know, there's six people working on the bracket. It's not, it's not like there's two or three people doing the bracket. Um, but then, you know, the opportunity for everyone to look at it and look at it through their region's lens you know, and see, and then pose questions like, hey, can we do this? You know, is there a way, obviously, is there a way that Chicago can host? You know, is there a way that Oglethorpe can host? Like, those are some of the questions, you know, and then we go look at it. We try to rework teams. We try to move some things around, and, you know, we couldn't get those two things done, even though we would have liked to. Um, yeah, you, you mentioned six people. We should point out there's two committee members, and then there's liaisons and interns and stuff on the NCA level, correct? Yeah, and, and they're sometimes crunching the math for you guys. You guys also have a computer system that gives you mileage uh, right. based on the NCA mileage, by the way, folks, not Google Maps or anything or the like. Um, right. uh, yeah, so I, I find it interesting. So I, I, I at least appreciate that the liaisons seem to go to bat for you. They, they kind of said, hey, listen, yeah, this is maybe not how we should be doing it and went above you guys to try and at least maybe get some additional help in there. It was above their heads. Yes, it came down from above the liaison set. Yes. Can we at least appreciate that there was a compromise to at least uh, allow you guys to, to take a once at and go, whoa, wait a minute? Yeah, I thought it was great. And we did do some things this morning. So, you know, I, I, I thought it was really great. You know, I, I thought that I felt better about it as the chair since I'm going to be the one fielding all the questions. And the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I felt much better about it. And I think that the national committee members that were on the bracketing felt much better about it you know we want to get it right that's the point sure we want to get it right but we don't want to create an unfair advantage for people you know and i so i thought this was a compromise you know it, it, it's hard i mean you know it, it would be hard to be on the bracketing and, and not i mean how are you really like like i don't know as a human being you cannot notice who your team is going to play and who they're going to play next yeah no i get yeah pretty tough to do by the way I did find some interesting things about this bracket, the way it shook out in the second week. And the same question I said I had with, with Sam to some degree on the men's side, Sam Atkinson. Sometimes you have some great ideas in that second weekend, and they come back and go, eh-eh, that's going to that's gonna mean a flight, or that's going to mean yeah. this. However, yeah. in the lower left, Bowdoin, Whitewater, Transylvania, Warburg, if the hosts come out. I, I realize it may not, but let's consider right. 500 miles around that. Um, yep. Bowdoin, Whitewater, Transylvania, Warburg, well, we're guaranteeing flights minimum one, maybe yep. maybe others, um, and and there were some other. I mean, obviously Amherst, Marymount, Trinity, Scranton, 
there's at least one flight because Texas has got to go somewhere. So I, my th- saying is we knew that flight's going to exist. It's kind of interesting they let you maybe, well, they probably are giving you another one. Yeah, yep, yeah, oh, yeah. Second round, I mean, that's a little bit easier when we get into the sectional. Um, we know we're going to have a couple flights there, you know, one or two flights there. I mean, we try to minimize it, obviously, because that's our job. Um, but, yes, it's, it's a little bit, we can have a couple of those if it makes the breath, you know. I, I mean, and obviously, like, a big core, uh, some of the trick of this was us not being able to host. Right. The, the men are hosting. So that was some of the trick of it. We really had to play with that pod because I, we thought as a committee that the priority would be to keep Tufts in New England. And we originally had them going to New York. And it was a long drive. And I'm like, okay, you know, the, 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 the overall number one should not be traveling, you know, five hours. Um, so, I mean, that was some of the reworking that we had to do in that upper left corner to keep Tufts in New England, which I think is a, is a priority. You know, we tried to make that a priority. Let me back up a step. Um, I, I feel like we missed a golden opportunity, Karen, to have a tournament on the black court at Oglethorpe. Um, maybe I'm biased because I want to see the – on the black top, black top, as it were. Um, I know you said that obviously in that mix up in that mix up, I apologize, wrong word in that mix uh, group of William P. Oglethorpe, Randolph, Macon and Transylvania, you can't get everybody to Oglethorpe um, because they're outside of 500 miles other than maybe William Peace. And and I'm going off the top of my head there. Um, I know Randolph Macon certainly can't. That said, could that, could we have, could there have been other decisions that maybe allowed Oglethorpe to to end up hosting anyway? Uh, we certainly tried. Uh, okay. You know, I think we looked at a variety of scenarios to try to get them to host, but we couldn't. It would any scenario that we worked would have created an additional flight to what we already had, and we just couldn't make it work. Okay, I, I'm 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 just asking. I'm just yep. not, uh, you know curiosity. Um, I, some people have asked about Chicago. Um, seemed like a pretty solid resume, maybe to get a hosting yeah. opportunity, especially you know in that part of the country where you got a lot of teams that can get there. Yeah, yeah, I know it, it was it was crazy. I I, I thought for, we had Chicago hosting, we thought we would have had it, we thought it would all work, and then somehow Williams was in there, and and we couldn't get like all the spots were full, and we couldn't get Williams anywhere with Chicago hosting. You know, we certainly didn't want to put them in the tough pod. I mean, you know, we have to, you have a lot of NESCAC schools. <laughs> so you've got to move them around. You know, they, they can't go in with Bowden pod. They can't go in with Amherst pod. They can't go, you know, we try to move them around. So that's kind of how that that ended up. We just couldn't couldn't make it work. Okay. Yeah, I, and, and, and I'm just curious. Uh, some of the stuff, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm nitpicking a little bit just to have some creative questions. Uh, because sure, overall... Dave, it's super fun when you nitpick. <laughs> you're, mean, you're, awesome. Karen, you're lying. I love you're lying, Karen. <laughs> oh my God. Um, no, because I, I overall I do find some of this interesting, but I know people have questions, and so I'm just trying to give insight. Sure. And so if I can yeah. find some little tiny things that can provide that insight, I think it's helpful, even if it well, is to a nitpick. It's kind of like picking out the best yeah. thing on Top Chef. At some point, they're going to have to nitpick the chefs. Sure, I'll give you one more. I'll Great. nitpick one for you, all right? Awesome. So one of the one of the things I wish we could have done a little bit differently, but we couldn't, we tried, we looked at it, um, is that, that um, Scranton pod, Christopher Newport, Widener, Scranton, Endicott. Sure. Uh, you know, three teams out of the same region. Yeah. 
all in the same pod. You know, we would have liked to have gotten Christopher Newport out of there. But so then this is so this, this is what we're looking at. All right. So let's and we got we can't fly him. So, all right. So let's put Christopher Newport in the Messiah pod. Ooh, they you were going him. where I was going. I love it. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> they played Messiah in the regular season. Okay. So we try to avoid that when we can. Even for a second round game? Yeah. Okay. It's, so, I mean, so we tried to avoid that. And then we were like, okay, well, you know, we couldn't get, if Rowan would have hosted, then they would have probably gone to Rowan. Um, but sure. that didn't work. We, we couldn't get that to work. And then we could have put them in the Marymount pod, but they used to be in Marymount's conference, two, only two years removed. And you and I both remember the debacle from last year. So <laughs> I don't know. What do you mean, Karen? Yeah, yeah. So we avoided that. I'm not, I was like, oh, no way. We are not touching that. So, no. So, you know, you try to learn from a couple things from the year before. So, anyway, that's how it ended up. But to be honest, this is the regional tournament. It, 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 it's, I mean, it's a national tournament, but from an NCAA standpoint, it's a regional tournament. Those teams have not played each other in the regular season. Even though it's like familiar names, they, yeah. they did not play each other in the regular season. So, yeah. Um, I'm surprised uh, we didn't see a Regis Montclair State game. Okay, now I'm going <laughs> deep into the well there for that for for our old our our longtime D3 hoops fans. They'll get that joke. Yep. Yeah, uh, there was another one you kind of brought up. You you hinted at Rowan there. So is it because you guys wanted to host at Rowan, or as I asked Sam, and I'm not alluding to Rowan here, but in general, did you sure. have situations with hosting where you wanted to go someplace, but someone either didn't put in paperwork, complete paperwork, or whatever? No, we didn't have that situation. Okay. So what was the rowing? You just couldn't make it work? We just couldn't. Yeah, we couldn't make it work. Okay. With the way, with some other things that we were doing. Gotcha. Um, you know, and, and there were, there, yeah, yeah, just wouldn't, just the way the number, the, the way the teams were. Sure. So, um, yeah. Any other thoughts? Any other things about this bracket or about what the guy, you all did that, that you think is important to, to point out? You know, I think it's important to point out that, you know, you have a national committee that cares and that works really hard. And, you know, it, 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 there's always going to be people that aren't happy. And we tried to be creative with the bracket. You know, we, we put it together with a full national committee approval. This is the national committee bracket. And, you know, I think that are there, there's always going to be things that we wish we could have done a little bit differently. But we work within the constraints of what we have. And, you know, I think that there's a lot of really good stuff in this bracket, you know, and, and like you said, we could pick it apart every year. We try to learn from mistakes in the past, you know, or not mistakes, but things we did in the past that, you know, like the Regis rule, we have that rule now. Yeah. You know, we're not going to send that matchup years in a row. You know, we tr we're now avoiding, you know, conference matchups in the first round. The NCAA is in that pilot program. I mean, that's an awesome thing. So. I mean, that's really it, you know. Um, you want to pick favorites for us? I'm just kidding. I know you're not going to do that. Uh, you do have a, a, a job in this one. You guys get George Fox. I know. Uh, that's, yeah. that's, you know, at okay. Marymount. Uh, wave when yeah. you go back by my house, by the way. Please be courteous. Um, I'm, I am kind of curious what you think of taking on the old Bruins there and welcome Michael <laughs> Coppolino back to the East Coast. That's right. Well, I, I do like Mike. He's a pal of mine. So, um, <laughs> but, uh, I oh, you're not going to be pals by the end of this. 
Yeah, I'll tell you this. My my last memory of George Fox is losing to them in uh, in the Final Four out yeah. in, in Michigan. Was that 2015? So that's, that's what, yeah, 2015. That's what I remember about George Fox. So um, I, they are a heck of a basketball team. I uh, honestly, Dave, I haven't got to watch too much film because I've been doing a lot of uh, my other job. Um, but um, what I have watched, they're they're a really good team. It's going to be really tough. That's a tough pod. Marymount's fantastic, yeah. too. So. And but, you know what? The fact that yeah. you and Nate are in the same pod makes me laugh. Yeah, me and Nate, yeah. He's a character. I like to watch him coach on the sidelines. So oh, I sit next to him at least once a year watching yeah. him. And, of course, he, I think he positioned himself right in front of me as I'm broadcasting on purpose, just for the record. Um, yeah. And what I appreciate is actually during the National Anthem, he's always still in military attention, which uh, being the former Marine that he is, I always, I always right. take no, notice of. He's um, a great guy. He's he a great guy. He and is. he's on the Nestle Committee this year. So I'm excited to get to spend some time with him out in um, Columbus. Yeah. No matter what, you're both going to Columbus. Uh, any, and then, you, anything you want to talk yep. about about that weekend before we let you go? Um, no, I think we're just super excited. They're going to be a great host. So we're excited about the uh, C3 All-Star Game for its second year. We encourage people to come out and support. And um, I think it's going to be a great, fantastic experience for student athletes and fans and coaches and just looking forward to it dave well um i appreciate the time thank you for allowing me to nitpick you a little bit there um i know it wasn't an easy call because you weren't necessarily participating in everything but i appreciate that you went out there and did some homework for us to try and answer some of these questions um and yeah i i i I just appreciate it and i appreciate you guys at least humoring us as well and answering these questions the night of a tournament uh, being announced and, and all that. Uh, with that note, I'll give you the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, nope. Just good luck to everyone. Enjoy some great basketball. It's going to be really fun. And uh, happy March Madness. Very well said. Karen, thank you so much. Enjoy the tournament yourself, will you please? Um, thank you. Have some fun in it. And, uh, and again, wave as you go by my house. Be, be nice about <laughs> it. And uh, we'll, right, ta- we'll talk good. to you later. Take care. Thanks so much, Dave. Absolutely. Karen Harvey joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline here on the Sensible Sports Marketing. Hoopsville Bracket uh, Breakdown Special. Appreciate Karen coming on the show. I I probably could have asked 100 more questions. Um, Some of the stuff I could ask behind the scenes. You got answers. Uh, You may not like those answers. We may not love answers. That's part of this. Um, Gordon hit on it. Two things. I'll repeat what Gordon hit on what I mentioned earlier in the show. During our bracketing Gordon remembered what Karen said on our Thursday show that they look at bad losses and I think we were doing a really good job with that and then somehow we got derailed and it may have been a comment of mine I don't know but Gordon was hitting on that throughout and maybe we should have listened more to that the other thing that Gordon hit on was hey the last five spots that we pick or six spots that we pick 15 through 20 Just because we pick you doesn't mean we're right. Just because we pick you doesn't mean the committee's going to pick you. Uh, The committee has a lot more data than we do, to be blunt. And and I know something Karen and I have talked about. We talked about it on a previous show. That non-conference SOS is an important number when it's used, and we don't have any access to it. On the men's side, we get to see it um, because a mathematician is is doing that math for us, or a data guy. uh, Matt Snyder is doing that for us. We don't know if it's perfectly right, but we, we feel it's right. We don't have that on the women's side. 
And so that information would be helpful too, included at least on the data sheets. Personally, I wish those SOS numbers were more readily available, period, from the NCAA, but that's a different conversation. So there you go. You got some answers. You may not like them. I apologize. Anyway, we'll take a break. When we come back, at least one of the crew wants to join us. Um, anyway. One of us, somebody wants to join us, and uh, they'll, they'll join and get a breakdown. We'll do about maybe 15 more minutes of this show because, honestly, I don't know if i got the brain power to keep going. You're listening to Hoopsville, the sensible sports marketing bracketing special. want to thank our, uh, our friends today at uh, Sensible Sports Marketing who are, are sponsored to last night's show and tonight's show. If you're looking for promotional products and apparel, sports marketing's a sensible sports marketing is the largest selection in college athletics. If you can dream it, they can do it. From game day giveaways to premium door gifts and plenty more. Gives, uh, go visit them online at GetSportsSense.com or call them at 800-575-4765. When we come back, we'll see what members of the staff want to join us here on Hoopsville or a powwow about the brackets. You're listening to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us, and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless.
being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, you're more than welcome to, chat, uh, to jump in and uh, check with us. Uh, you can tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, uh, hoopsville at d3sports.com. That's always a, a lovely place to do that. Um, you can also, um, let's see, uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And there's always um, YouTube, youtube.com slash D3 Hoopsville. Do, do take the time to, to join us and chat. And uh, I'm not going to tell you our answers are great. I'm about to, in a moment, share with Pat uh, an email that I, I, I got tonight from a, a lovely viewer that I, I probably shouldn't have gauged in. That's my own darn fault. But I'm also stalling as I try and get the, uh, my, my, my shot set up with Pat. Pat Coleman joining us here on the show via the, video, via, via the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Skype hotline. Hello, sir. Welcome. Welcome to the show. We don't get to see you all that often. No, and that's probably for good reason. Uh, is this my camera? Is this my camera? <laughs> but I appreciate my, uh, you know, my first uh, trip to Hoopsville of the year. So here we are. Yeah, first trip. You're right. Um, I, by the way, there's a job opening, apparently, you just told me, at N, uh, uh, w, uh, MSNBC, if you'd like to apply. It would, Chris Matthews, apparently, if you want it. All yours. Openings in the your your audio dropped on us. I, I didn't hear you. Well, there it is. Uh, I was just I was just making a joke about there being open spots in the presidential primary, so it was probably good that it got dropped. Well said, sir. Well said. Yeah, I I, I turned my phone off of notifications or turned them back on um, when I uh, got done with some stuff today, and I looked up and my phone started blowing up uh, from all of that, but. Then the D, then the D3 stuff blew up. All right, so let's let's uh, start with the fun here. Let's start with the women's side. Um, first and foremost, another challenging situation. Well done. Got your D3 hoops bracket out. Another challenging situation here where the rules are <laughs> limiting the committee from participating. Now, I'm never going to argue that a person's team's at the table, they should be involved. Never going to do that. But bracketing, and not that the bracketing was bad. At least Karen tried there. Shouldn't there be some way to, 
do this better? As I, I know you're trying to get the camera to focus a little bit better. <laughs> I've seen you do that. Yes, I, yeah, snap at the camera a little bit. Um, it, at least she found a compromise so she could be involved, but, you know, we've got to find a better way to do this maybe, at least so that these people can answer the questions better. Not for us. I mean for their coaches, for their brethren. Well, I think so, and also just so you have more actual committee members in the conversation, I, it was very interesting that it was spun that, you know, yeah, six people were involved in the conversation. How many of those people were actual members of the committee selected by the NCA membership, right? Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, the people who have been on these calls all the time and have talked with their racks. Um, this is one of the things that, you know, on the football side, we always have uh, we have four committees because we have still for the moment four regions and we have two members from each region uh, come to the national committee. Uh, when the, when we get rid of that, I, we're going to have you know just six members. I would like to maybe see two people uh, be available to participate in these conversations, so that you have a deputy or a backup who can come in and 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 have some of those hard conversations. I to to say though, I mean I think they really did do uh, quite a good job with this bracket. Uh, I like the way this bracket looks. Karen Harvey talked about some of the things that aren't perfect about it. And I still think there's a way to get four teams to Oglethorpe, but that's fine. Um, but, you know, we have had years where we've been in similar situations where we've had a lot of the coaches and administrators who are, uh, you know, have teams in the field. So they're not on the bracketing call. And then we've had some bad brackets because of it. So, you know, we got lucky this time, but we don't always get lucky. And nothing against uh, a friend of mine, a friend of ours who, who was part of a committee that, of two. They had to bracket one time that didn't give us the best of brackets, I don't think, a few years ago. I, we know that they did the best they could, but there was no double check. At least Karen put a double check, got a double check put in. Yeah, and, and that's nice that uh, the liaison and, and, and such got to argue for that um, and, and made it happen. Uh, you know, so it's, yeah, what can I say? I think I've said everything I, I can say on this subject. I do <laughs> think there needs to be something better or different we can do with this yeah i mean interesting enough uh when they do selections I, something i didn't get into when karen came off she had somebody who stepped in for her from her region who had been sitting on standby on the call listening the whole time so there was always a committee of eight regions representing you almost want to say and i don't know if this is the uh, the right idea but why doesn't that person participate too though you could argue they're not part of the committee so i, I don't know if that's the right answer yeah i i it, some semblance of that seems like it's probably workable. And you mentioned it when you talked with uh, Sam Atkins and the men's committee chairs that soon we'll be at 10 regions and it will be yet a different kind of mess. Yes. <laughs> Who knows what kind of mess uh, that will be from a committee's point of view. Um, overall, okay, so the selections, Karen gave us the information she could provide us. Again, she wasn't participating. She didn't know exactly how these conversations broke out. She just gave us the information about their resumes that she thought was the sticking points. Thoughts? Well, uh, so uh, some of the things that are the controversial ones, right, are about Augsburg. Um, and I know that I will hear about Augsburg this year from people, the same people I heard about, uh, I heard from about Augsburg last year. Um, and, the, you know, the thing about Augsburg is that now the, the message has been clear, right? Maybe we didn't get a great message about 2019, uh, the message has been stated now, non-conference SOS was the issue. Uh, if you are going to play three members of the UMAC in your five non-conference games, this is what's going to happen, right? You are uh, Unless you somehow play 
I don't know, UW Superior and Bethany Lutheran, they both go right. you know, six and three or something like that. You can't take that chance, right? You got to go out and schedule somebody better. Those folks in the WIAC are just across the border. And I think I did say this last year, Augsburg could very well have gone over and scheduled UW lacrosse. I don't think it's that difficult to, to find a, a date to, uh, you know, to meet up with UW lacrosse because they have a lot of games to give. Um, you've got to go schedule the WIAC. Uh, lacrosse went and scheduled Wartburg twice. You know, we don't we didn't get a number on uh, lacrosse's non-conference strength of schedule, but they played they played Warburg twice. So it was probably pretty good um, compared to Augsburg. So I think that's the issue. I know that some of this is going to go away. Right. The right. Thomas will no longer be in the MIAC after next season. So there will be seven non-conference games to play with and open invite always to anybody in the MIAC who wants to come to Las Vegas for the D3Hoops.com Classic with those two extra games. We'll do we uh, every, everything we can to make that non-conference strength of schedule a little better. I've heard it's a good tournament. Um, I don't know of many who've come there and been left home because they had a bad resume outside of maybe you know doing worse than what we gave them. Um, no, you you raise a great point. And, and listen, you know we we talk about how the NESCAC, at least on the men's side, sometimes people think they're gaming the system. They're smart. They go play the top of some of these conferences because they got to fill in a lot of games. They're not going to be able to play maybe the best quality all the time. So when they go look at the, and I, I apologize now, the NEAC, they go play the top of it. They're going to go play the uh, GNAC. They go play the top of it. And GNAC's probably not the best example, but it does have some bottom fillers there. Don't play the bottom of the UMAC. Go play the top of it. Well, and you're right. And even, but even the top of the UMAC won't compare to the middle of the WIAC or one of the top three teams in the ARC or anything like that. Sure. Absolutely agree with you. I'm just saying if you're going to go play UMAC, at least play the top of it. Um, Yeah, go to Chicagoland. I I know it's not close. And Sam said it too. They're not dictating go out there and spend money. But Chicagoland isn't unreasonable. We're not asking you to go to New England and play the NESCAC. We're not saying go play... The ODAC, and maybe not the best, or the OAC, there's there's games to be had. Yeah, absolutely. So they also went out west to play uh, Puget Sound and Lewis and Clark. Uh, Puget Sound is uh, was 13 and 13 this year. That's kind of an unlucky break. You yes. know, Puget Sound won 26 games a couple years ago. They won 19 games last year. Uh, Lewis and Clark, though, they were 3 and 21, and the best. You know, they haven't had a 20-win season since 2013. So, yeah. you know, if you're going to spend the money and make those trips, you got to, you know, you got to make sure that you get the right two teams when you go out somewhere. Well, and here's the thing that's interesting, too, Pat. Augsburg, they had one other thing going against them. They had three and three versus regionally ranked opponents. Three of those wins were the team behind them in St. Thomas. And St. Thomas's non-conference SOS was 0.200 higher, not 0.02, 0.200. The only right. reason St. Thomas isn't in is because they laid three eggs against Augsburg. Well, and that's, you know, and, and St. Thomas was not as good as Augsburg this year. And, and having seen both of those teams, Augsburg was definitely better. Uh, but, yeah, exactly. St. Thomas has been at this level for quite some time. They know how the, the game is played for lack of a better term, Ruthson knows how this works, right? Uh, so go out and, and schedule the type of teams that are going to make that sort of thing happen, even if you only have the five games. And yeah, Augsburg uh, you know, kept St. Thomas out of the tournament, 
but because Augsburg beat St. Thomas three times and then Augsburg didn't have the resume to get in on their own. Right. And we can beat this put in, into the ground a hundred more times. We don't need to, but I just wanted to kind of point that big one out that I thought kind of was a sticking point. Anything else that jumped out of you about the, about the women? I mean, the OAC conversation, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much more I can dive into what Karen had to say, but anything else that jumped out about, uh, about these selections? No, I mean, obviously we don't have all the information about who was on the board at the same time as other people, right? So, like, we talked about that NYU Cabrini thing, and it turned out, you know, they were on our board at the same time, but they weren't on their board at the same time, and that happens. And now we know half of the regional rankings, so that's half helpful. Um, and, uh, no, actually, I mean, you know, other than, you know, and I, I heard you say this more times than I really want to hear, that we missed five of these picks in a conversation I wasn't involved in. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's not like, um, you know, it's, it, for having missed five, it's not as bad as it seems, I guess. I, you know, that you very easily point to where things went differently and, you know, it is what it is to be, you know, hate to use a cliche, but, uh, this is still a really good tournament and, yeah. you know, it's one 18 and eight team and one 19 and seven team rather than somebody else. I, you know. I don't know what else to say. I, I think that when you just have, uh, you know, you're comparing someone's non-conference SOS on five games against somebody else's on nine and somebody else's that's on 12, I'm not sure that that's the stat you want to hang your head on in a, uh, in, a, in a national conversation. No, though Karen did say that, hint at, they don't go to it as often as I think everyone thinks they do. Sam Atkinson, yeah. Sam Atkinson talked about on Thursday the fact that they – um, look at it instead of just a hard number. They kind of dive into what did you, where'd you go, who'd you play, did you really make an effort, or did you just play some, sh- you know, schmuck around the corner? I don't know what the women did. We didn't get that kind of answer. Right. Exactly. Um, any other thoughts before we jump off of women? I want to. We'll get to men here. Okay. Let's jump to the men. Uh, I found it fascinating on the men's side. Um, by the way, I always find it fascinating when we only miss one. Just for the record. Because uh, I, I thought it was. And we've done that. Uh, we've missed one or less three times in the last six years. So I was pretty happy about that. Yeah, that's pretty good. And I thought la- I thought it was very tough. Yeah. Right. Especially because we were. You know, I, I was kind of I was really shouting at the screen yesterday during the, the men's mock call. It's like, yes, we understand that we have been given this central rack information. And I trust that it is the accurate central rack information. I really wanted Mike DeWitt, our former national chair, to be asked the question, would you change this? Would you, you know, in a committee that you were on, would you change this? And then have our committee go through that process? Because I, I we, think I thought we presented him that chance. Well, I'm sorry. I thought we did try to present him that chance. Yeah, I guess I would have liked to have seen more argument, <laughs> I guess. No, and I at one point. I thought I remember said, listen, this is what we heard. The National Committee could make a change if you if do we feel like maybe this was off air. I it's all a blur. Do we feel that Wash U is worthy of bringing up? And it's interesting because outside of where Wash U was, the rest of the order was actually pretty solid. And the funny thing is There's two spots off though, and that's a that, that's no no, I know teams that they were behind. So that's a big difference. Even if it's I don't disagree, but I don't think it changes anything else. Well, I mean, obviously, we got all the same teams in that part of the country in the field, right? So, right. Other than Eau Claire. Um, 
so anyway, it, it, it's an interesting scenario. Obviously, a, a lot of interesting picks. When you look at, well, I think the picks were fascinating, but I guess the bigger story here to me is I'm a little surprised Virginia Wesley got left home. Kind of the same story we heard from Karen. It seems like, you know, one win over Randolph-Megan, this is a mute point because Eau Claire used that win over Platteville to basically get in. Yeah, I mean, and you mentioned that with Sam. Uh, Dave, I, I, I wish we could have pressed Sam on the fact that there were only two head-to-head matchups instead of three, right? Because of the unbalanced ODAC schedule, Fair. Randolph and Virginia Wesleyan only played each other once. Um, the, the benefit is that it was at Virginia Wesleyan, if I remember correctly, although, you know, my, I years, think you're right. my years are running together too. I, I would have liked to have just have some clarification on that. To really hang that on, you know, Virginia Wesleyan had its chances and didn't do it. It's like, I, I fully admit, they had multiple chances. That is more than one. A lot of the teams that we're talking about went 0-3, uh, rather than 0-2, and I just don't feel like that's quite the same. I don't disagree, and, and I could have led Sam in a bad direction on that too, but I do think he also pointed out that they had other parts of their resume that weren't strong, and I know that was something that was a sticking point to others. SOS wasn't great, surprisingly, in my opinion. Um, most of the ODAC wasn't, and I don't know why. The ODAC's SOS numbers were just, they were different to me than I'm used to seeing. Well, and, you know, as the as the... USA South has grown a little bit. Um, in a lot of other sports in that part of the country, ODAC and USA South just interplay all the time. And the USA South is not as good as the ODAC. And, you know, if, as, if there's a lot of ODAC-USA South interplay that's going to bring down the ODAC strength of schedule, I really like to see the ODAC, you know, get out and, you know, get up into the Mid-Atlantic because, uh, you know, I think that's, that's good play for them. Um, in a lot of cases, it's not too far. In some cases, it's it's far, right? It's far for Guilford. It's far for Emory and Henry. It's far for Eastern Mennonite and Bridgewater and that sort of thing. But it's not impossible for everybody. And I think that's where maybe some more interplay would be great. Um, anything else about the selections? I, I just open the table because I, I don't have anything specifically that jumps out at me that I think you might be interested in. No, I don't think so in terms of the selections. I really love the bracketing, though. Cause we, I know we're going to talk about that, so... Maybe we'll just dive in. Um, yeah. One of the things that Ryan and I, as we were doing the bracketing uh, last night, kind of um, got hung up on is trying to figure out, again, since we've got a, another new system, right? First time they've ever tried to build the bracket this way. How important is that we keep all uh, eight teams inside the 500-mile circle? So we would never have really thought about putting Elmers against Lyco uh, at Worcester um, because we would be concerned that we would end up with a game between Lyco and Pomona Pitzer, two teams on the three line that, you know, could very easily end up in a round of 16 game or something like that. Not, you know, or uh, Elmhurst against, um, I don't know, center or something like that. Elmhurst against center works, but you understand what I'm saying. You, you under, you end up with the possibility that you've got two teams who could very easily advance aren't within 500 miles. And we did not know what kind of leeway they were going to be given for that. Cause we've never seen this particular bracket before. Yeah. It was an interesting bracket. And, and I was actually pleasantly surprised. Maybe I had lowered my expectations because that sweet 16 weekend, I just buckled into my head. We're going to have some lousy matchups because there's going to be no way to avoid it when they're going to be so restricted the next weekend. Yeah, and instead what they did was they took the islands and put them in interesting places, right? They did not 
puts the Emory and UT Dallas ones together. They put UT Dallas at Swarthmore because someone's going to fly. Let's send them to somewhere interesting. Same with the Emory pod was probably going to send someone in an airplane. So let's send them to uh, play against the uh, winner of Worcester or probably the winner of Worcester to, uh, to play the winner of Emory. So there's definitely a lot of interesting things here. And then they did do what some committees have not done previously and make sure that these things are geographically dispersed by the time we got to the elite eight, because you know, you're paying the same amount to get everybody to Fort Wayne. It doesn't matter whether, you know, whether they play the adjacent pod or, or, you know, someone geographically adjacent or geographically distant. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of dug the bracket. There was a lot of creativity. There were a lot of fun little matchups in here. I mean, Edgewood's going to be playing Lyco, as you mentioned, and there's going to be Benedictine against Susquehanna and that game's going to be at Wittenberg and there's just fun about that. I kind of got giddy in the middle of the darn bracket show as it continued to settle in for me. Yeah. Two games in which central region teams play mid Atlantic region teams. When does that ever happen? It, it has happened, I believe, but not very often. Occasionally a couple, two, three times. Yeah. Um, per, I don't know where to go next. Uh, Cause I, I, the men's side, I thought overall did a really solid job. Now they had everybody involved too, by the way, um, because nobody had to come off the calls. Nobody was involved. Their teams weren't involved. And maybe sometimes that provides some clarity to those who may usually have teams involved. I don't know. I'm kind of spitballing a little bit on that, but I felt like they, they approached it. And I feel like this is going to sound a little crazy. I feel like Sam Atkinson and some others on that committee have allowed the to change the committee's mentality a little bit because they're doing work. And this happened a little bit before Sam or when Sam arrived, I don't remember which they're starting to do work on these kinds of things a couple of weeks in advance. They're not waiting to do the bracket the night they get it. And so I tried to have this conversation with the football committee. It's like, when do you start doing your mock bracketing? It's like, we never do a mock bracket is what they say. And you know, football's a bracket. It's 32 teams. It's, you know, there's no pods or anything like that <laughs> sites. So it's not as complicated, but that still surprised me that they don't, that they don't do that because the men's uh, basketball committee has done this now for many, many years. And I think it's been helpful. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I've asked the women a couple of times. I, I, my sense is they don't, but the, I haven't asked it recently. So I don't want to say they aren't. Dave, my sense is they're scared of you. Yeah, hashtag scared of Dave. I think we ought to, we ought to make that trend, or, or who knows? That, that, that was a fascinating intro, uh, moment, to say the least. Um, I'm double-checking. I thought I saw a question jump out at me. Uh, by the way, Alex Nagel says, I'd personally like to see a Mayak-Wyak challenge or a Mayak-Arc challenge. Uh, I know money plays a big role in D3, but getting home and homes with uh, Bowden Tufts hope would be a step in the right direction. I don't know if we can go to those three all the time. Hope is certainly possible, but yeah, I mean, let's, let's, let's set something up and have some fun. Mayak. Yeah. M I A C A R C let's, let's do it. Uh, anything else about selections, bracketing, what you heard from Sam, what you heard from Karen that, that you wanted to touch on. I really like that. This committee, uh, you know, is, being forward thinking, and I'm talking about the men's committee, in terms of let's do the things now. We've talked about it, obviously, for about a year, so we knew it was coming, but it is still new in that it's happening this week for the first time in terms of expanding the schedule of games so that we start at 1 o'clock and that we end sometime past 10.30 Eastern time. 
and that he specifically went out and said that uh, that this could be you know something that we could see spread to other Division three sports. It should really do that, um, and I would really be excited to see that happen. So uh, I'm glad that it's happening this year, and uh, you know I'm also looking forward to when we get to that round of 16. Is there going to be some way where I can go somewhere on Friday night? and see one Sweet 16 game and then, like, hop in a car and go somewhere else the next night and see another Sweet 16 game in a different state. That's what I'm looking forward to trying to be able to do. I was thinking to myself, that might be a little bit of fun to do myself. I'm going to get to games Friday. Thank you for bracketing an awesome bracket near me. Um, I'm going to go to Johns Hopkins to see Yeshiva, WPI, and and, uh, Hopkins take on – who are they playing? Hopkins is playing Penn State Harrisburg. Thank you. Uh, you know, that's, you know. At 6 o'clock. Now there's a four-and-a-half-hour window in between. Oh, they changed the time on that? Yeah, that came in while you were, uh, I think, while we were getting started. Oh, that's, that's a bummer. I'm only going to be able to see one of those games. It also, right, it also means you can't do the Loeffler Lombada where you try to do the, uh, the, the Johns Hopkins game and then dance up 95 to see Swarthmore with the the other coach Lauffer and his uh, alma mater play at uh, the late game up there. How fun was that interview, by the way, <laughs> talking about his parents? That was awesome. I didn't see that coming. I didn't either. I'm glad uh, that, w- that was a, <laughs> you know, um, I agree, though, as someone with multiple uh, grandchildren that, uh, of my parents, that you should definitely vote uh, and root for whoever the grandchildren are rooting for. I thought that was the perfect argument. As one who currently only has the only grandchildren in my family, sans a few more months. Um, yeah, well, you know, things happen. Um, by the way, I know, that, uh, I know that they were happy about sending uh, St. Joe's up to Springfield. I thought that yeah. I thought the opposite. I thought that, uh, you know, uh, Jim Calhoun should really get the true feel of the Division Three NCAA tournament and have to take a eight-hour bus ride somewhere. But obviously, they felt differently. He might not listen. Sometimes Calhoun doesn't get through all the way through games, and I and I mean that seriously. They have a plan. Glenn takes over. That's how it works. I think next time, though, I want to talk to both of them. Um, but and maybe that's a fact. I don't think it was, but I, I agree. I do think it's kind of cool that the he's going to Springfield to play an NCAA tournament game where he was enshrined in the Hall of Fame. I do kind of get a kick out of that, but I don't disagree with your take on that whatsoever. Uh, certainly uh, some creativity, uh, not creativity, but some other thinking is there, but uh, say la vie. Um, any other thoughts before I share this? Oh, go ahead. I see you waving. <laughs> Just for example, I don't think the football committee ever took it easy on John Gillardi because of his age. You know, when the St. John's coach, football coach was in his 80s, I don't think they ever decided, well, we're not going to send them to UW-Whitewater for a six-hour trip in the first round because he's 80-whatever years old. Fair. To be clear, I'm not saying that's what they were doing. I'm just saying I'm, I'm, I'm sure he appreciates it. I don't know if he'd want the long trip. <laughs> um, all right, so I've got two things. Um, well, one, if you want to stay, i got a really cool gift that randomly showed up in a box today from a school. Um, I realize you won't be able to see it unless you're off the street stream because I don't have my feed working tonight. But I do have an email I want to sh- not share. I just want to sad email that I should never engage in, but I just want to make a comment about it. But any thoughts on this, on these brackets uh, to wrap things up, I guess I'll kind of give you the final word on the bracketing. No, I really do think it was a great bracket and I look forward to seeing it play out. Yeah. 
I agree. And by the way, going all the way to Atlanta, I'm really looking forward to that. Um, all right. So this email I shouldn't engaged in. Basically, this person was going back and forth. And, and by the way, never engaged with, with me at any point. This should have been my uh, red alert. Uh, they basically said such a sham that politics played such a huge role in who got in and who did not. Injustice for the seniors who play for a good old boys coach. Maybe it's time for 32 team NIT D3. Um, first off, when I asked what politics, never got an answer. When I asked what good old boy, never got an answer. I asked if we work on injustices with seniors, shouldn't we just include all teams? Of course, got a snarky comment back. I said, I, you know, maybe you don't understand how this works. And the comment back was, well, I saw how it works at 1230. No, you didn't see how it works at 1230. You would have seen how it works at 6 o'clock last night on Hoopsville because we go through the selections. Sadly, I didn't engage, but there's so many people out there that it's just disappointing that they think politics are involved in all this. I, I thought we did a better job than that. <laughs> people, A, you should look at our traffic in that, you know, our traffic is, you know, da 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 da, da and then it's up a little bit in February, and then boom, yeah. people pay attention True. yesterday and today. And, you know, they don't know, and they assume, right? That's, that's what everybody has told them. Uh, in the past is the way things work elsewhere, right? So they just assume. It's just not the way it works. But we, you know, we don't reach all those people. They don't pay attention to us until sure. February 28th. Yeah. Um, you know, I we can't take it personally. Oh, no, it, not taking I, it personally. What, can I ask, and did he even say what team he was? Never said the team. I finally own, figured out in the last one saying 1230 today that it clearly was a men's program. So we sure. narrowed it down to 420 some odd schools, and uh, how many that didn't make it? 360. Um, so we narrowed it down. Um, right. Apparently, it's a good old boy somewhere. I don't know if it's their playing forum or 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 it was a good old boy that got him in. I didn't get clarification on that. Um, didn't get clarification on what senior class we were talking about. I got no, I asked multiple times those questions because I was trying to at least figure out what we're talking about here to give an answer. Right. You could give the guy legitimate information if he were to share any details whatsoever. Right. And so I'm not taking it personally. I'm just disappointed. You make an email or a comment like that, and I make the effort to at least ask you, what's up? Let me help you. And your answer back is the same stuff. The only thing I figured out was men's because he mentioned or she I could be a she mentioned 1230. I figured out how it works at 1230. Ah, we're talking men, finally, after four emails. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, listen, a lot of people I know learn it new. I, I'm not taking that, at, uh, you know, at that adage at all. It's just sad that some people don't want to learn. You know, people just want to vent. Yep. We until 7.45 Eastern tonight until anybody blamed us for their team not getting in. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's true. That might be a record. That might be. That usually comes out almost immediately. Yeah, exactly. Though yep. I did get someone recently who called me saying, what the heck was it? It was something about either hosts or something that, that we, we should keep somebody in mind. And I called uh, back and said, we don't do that. <laughs> it was a good conversation. Don't get me wrong. But it was a funny voicemail. Um, I don't know if you want to. Uh, what were you saying? Uh, with a uh, donation to the Hoopsville fundraiser. There we go. That'd be a, that'd be appreciated. Um, I don't know if you want to stay on for this or not. Up to you, but I, I wanted to show off the gift that we came on tonight. Yeah. So I got this random box. Sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll see it about 45 seconds later on the monitor over here. That's true. So um, uh, the family came home today and brought a box with them uh, for that had been in the mail. 
And uh, in it was uh, a couple gifts. I forgot to bring the box because I was going to give the shout out. Wisconsin Lutheran sent me a jersey, which is uh, actually a pretty sweet jersey on the back, by the way. It's number 20, and on the back it's got their, uh, their uh, sword logo. Uh, it's also got this really cool NCAA um, already in the jersey patch in the upper corner. Uh, it is kind of an old, it's not really the NCAA basketball logo, but we'll take it. But here's yeah. the piece de resistance. We have another bobblehead to add to the collection. It is a WLC Warriors bobblehead, and it's a cool bobblehead. Let me just say, uh, the mascot in uh, fine fighting form with a really cool head on there. I'll keep it up until Pat can see it. That nice. is absolutely, even my son was like, oh, they, dude, that's awesome. So that will be going into the uh, bookshelf. And uh, thank you, w Wisconsin Lutheran, for a pretty darn good contribution to the studio. How about that? You got to find a uh, where you going to find a spot for the uh, bobblehead so that it's visible. Because you get it all the way to the back wall, it might not be you might not be able to make. Out yeah, it. fair. I got some room on the table. Maybe we can put it off to the side on the table as a as a as a uh, tip of the hat to them for the rest of the season. Uh, I guess so. There you go. All right, sir. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Any final thoughts before we let you go? Dave, I have to say you are much more awake than in previous years. Uh, <laughs> you know, you and uh, you and Karen Harvey talked about the debacle of, I guess, sending CNU to Marymount last year. I didn't rec re remember that that was a debacle. The debacle I remember on days like this is you trying to have a conversation with, guess which chair am I talking oh, about? Oh, I already know. Yeah, I already Steve know, Ol dude. It, it, it's one I will never forget. It's one I was reminded of by a favorite chair of ours a, a few about a week ago. Yeah, I believe he's no longer a conference commissioner, if memory serves. He, I, I mean, I said his name, but yeah. Oh, you did. Uh, I missed it. That's all right. Uh, I'm sure the hopefully the audience did. Um, yeah, well, you you, uh, you chased him away, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it only but, took how many years? <laughs> three, two or three years. I'm not sure. No, Steve's a good man. Uh, not my finest hour. I've always admitted that. I always thought I'd become a better interviewer as a result of that. Sleep was a problem. You and I decided to bracket because we were goaded into it by about 250 people online uh, to do a women's bracket. And I said, sure, let's do that at 1 a.m. Yeah, not yeah. my finest day. <laughs> um, I remember this is like many, many years earlier now, back when you were doing the show at Goucher. Mm. We did our the Sunday night show, and then we mm -hmm. were the selection show for yeah. women's basketball. And we so we had to come back the next morning and be super awake for that. And I thought we did a, if I remember correctly, I thought we did a really good job. I thought we had audio and stuff like that. But you know, you and I did the thing. That's another one of those projects on sleepless nights on Selection Sunday Monday that. Uh, that one turned out maybe slightly better than a, a Steve Ulrich interview, but uh, yeah. also well, this too. Uh, I'm just I'm bopping around now. I'm yeah, so sorry. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, um, even if Karen Harvey, you know, the women's chair, didn't have all of the information in front of her, she's so much better prepared than so many uh, chairs that we have had on for that particular conversation. Um, we've also had some men's chairs who didn't do a really good job. But I feel like, you know, we have had maybe had more women's chairs that weren't as prepared. So if we don't talk to them as much, we don't prep them as much for these crazy kind of 
conversations by having conversations with them throughout the year. Um, and that's why we don't glean as well too. You know, I think that, that affected our, uh, our, um, our selections this year. Uh, I don't know if we can make more time to do that, but I thought Karen did a really good job and, and kudos to her. Even if some of the answers aren't what people wanted to hear, at least there were answers. And in right. so many years, we don't even get answers. We just get, well, that's what the committee decided. Like, then why are you having a conversation with yeah. us? The well, the committee decided you yeah. put it on the record. Well, to, to some extent, when she said, Dave, I'm sorry, I don't have that right in front of me. And I could hear the papers in the background. I had a flashback. I don't remember what year it was, but I had a flashback to a committee chair on the women's side who says, Dave, I'm ready to go. I've got all my papers in front of me and spent the next 30 minutes saying, I can't answer that. I can't answer that. I can't answer that. And I sat there going, then what's the point of the papers in front of you? Karen and Sam, to their credit, they both answered questions, to be honest, that a couple of years ago, they wouldn't, no chair would answer, even the good chairs. Right. Absolutely. Uh, it's all we can do to keep, uh, keep pressing these questions. This is our job, right, as, right. as journalists, uh, as commentators, as show hosts. Uh, is to be the watchdog. And sometimes being a watchdog is uncomfortable because we are, you know, if we're not friends with some of these people, we are definitely very close colleagues. We talk with them regularly. We see them at events. We see them year after year. And sometimes it is hard to ask the tough questions, but we have to continue to ask the tough questions. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and, and I think when we go back to the Steve Ulrich in interview, I took that maybe a little too far. My brain went sideways. It short-circuited. I lost uh, sense of what I was doing in for a good 10 minutes there before I finally regained my senses. But I learned, but we learned from it too. And, and what's great about Karen is she's been on this and for doing it for a while. Sam has now done it for a couple of years. I know Sam, I've known Sam for years, but I also get to know the men's committee chairs a little bit better. But Karen and I have gotten to know each other. I agree with you though. I, I think better relationships will, will help with other things as well. But, um, agreed. Uh, on that note, Oh, hold on. What were you saying? I'm looking forward to being able to be at the women's championship game this year. Uh, I'm going to be at the uh, Elite Eight on the Friday night in Fort Wayne. I'm going to hop in a car and drive to Columbus, Ohio to see the WBCA All-Star Game and the women's championship uh, on, the, on that Saturday. So I'm really looking forward to being able to do that. And you saying that reminds me, I'll be on the call once again. I'm, I'm so looking forward to it uh, with Brendan Gulick. We will be doing the championship yet again. Hats off to Brendan. Absolutely great. I know he had a couple of miscues. I had a couple of miscues. Um, flat out. Huh? I'm not going to rip on Brendan at all. No, no. He did a great job. He also did not get a lot of sleep. He had to drive to Indy uh, after a gig. So I know that he was working on fumes, but I thought he did a pretty darn good job. And it was fun to do it with Brendan because he reminded us, Pat, I'll say this because I forgot to say it on air. Brendan and I got together to chat about how to web stream games at Transylvania University eight years ago. Okay, that's when we when we had met. We'd, we'd known each other, but we hadn't met. He came down after during a horrible storm, met with me, learned how to do this. He started doing games for us. You know who was my color commentator on the Friday before Brendan joined me? Is that Joe Davis? No, that, that would be an even better story. Uh, sorry, your audio drop. you said? I was hoping for that. Yeah, no. But I, I like this one. It was Stacy Ledoux now, Corey originally. She's a Transylvania grad. She, Brian Lane turned to me and goes, hey, I got a great color commentator. She's terrific. You're going to love her. I'm like, okay. 
great. And by I finally gained confidence in her because, as you know, Pat, you, you get thrown a cold co color commentator. You just don't know what to expect. Uh, and nothing against student students, especially back then. You just didn't know. She did tremendous. Of course, she went on to Brockport. Now she's uh, assistant commissioner at the HCAC. Do I have that right? Um, so, yeah, Brendan, Stacy, and I have this kind of crazy little uh, try. Well, that's not going to sound right. Um, memory uh, of, of games, not to mention uh, tornadoes. But it's kind of cool that Brendan and I got to do the, the, the bracket shows today as a result. Yeah, a lot of, lot of fun. Glad that that is in the D3 family. Yeah, and I thought he added a nice little tw uh, flair to the things, too. Uh, he, he, you could tell he was from Ohio, though. He threw in a couple little Ohio. He, he couldn't resist. He couldn't resist. I'm, I'm almost glad John Carroll women didn't make it. But it made for nice video, too, when Sherry Harris got name-checked, right? Good point. Yes, that was awesome. We're watching the, 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 the team turn and go, Coach, that, they know you. Yeah, absolutely agree. Hey, uh, thanks for the time. Appreciate it, as always. Looking forward to catching up with you down the road. And enjoy the tournament as much as the rest of us do, sir. I know you will. I will. I'll sleep less than many, but I will enjoy it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Take care, sir. Thanks very much. Take, I'll talk to you soon. All right. He is Pat Coleman, and there's my... We're back. Thank you. Uh, appreciate Pat joining on, on the show there. Sorry about the audio, folks. I, for some reason, his audio was going in and out. I was riding it on my end. Didn't get it always right, but I hope you heard most of what Pat said. Uh, pretty solid there. Uh, fun to have Pat. Uh, doesn't come on the show as much as he used to for a, a lot of reasons. Uh, he does so much work behind the scenes. He was He's very helpful, especially on last night, for example. Very helpful with doing stuff behind the scenes. But um, I appreciate Pat coming on and, and saying his thoughts there. Oh, sorry, Ryan. Oh. Yeah, I just saw you pop up, buddy. I apologize. I'm wrapping up the show. And uh, uh, we'll get you on maybe on Thursday's show, Ryan. How's that sound? If you got time Thursday, I want to have you on. Uh, Ryan, another Ryan asked me, I've watched your show. I'm reading this cold focus. I'm warning you now. Um, I watched your show last two shows about the bracket and have a relative that plays for Susquehanna. I'm, I was just wondering what you think of the chances out in Ohio of winning in the first round and beating host Wittenberg. Well, I'll start with this. Frank Marcinic. Um, I never count out Frank Marcinic's teams, ever, at Susquehanna. Ever. The fact they won the conference this year, I think, speaks volumes to that. Uh, their first round game, I'm reminding myself, bear with me, is Benedictine. I, I think they've got a good chance. Benedictine's a good team, don't get me wrong, but I think Susquehanna comes in as the unknown. And, and I think Frank Marcinic has proven that they can, they can thrive with that. As far as beating, beating ben, uh, Wittenberg, if, if Wittenberg gets past LaRoche, why not, right? It's the NCAA tournament. I, I think there's a lot out there who will tell you that Wittenberg might be overrated because their schedule allowed them to have such a gaudy record and Worcester beat them twice and once smoked them. And there's others going to tell you they're really good. Uh, listen, I think, I think Sus Susquehanna has got just as good a chance as anybody else. They are a good team. I've seen them in person. They've got pieces that I like, uh, and I'm always a fan of Frank Marcinic. I'll be honest. Um, and so, yeah, I hope, I, I think they've got a decent chance. Why the heck not? It would be my thought on that. By the way, got, um, I didn't get any more donations. I thought I did. Uh, just double checking emails and then we're done folks or, or other questions that might've popped up on our streams. See if they popped it. They did not just checking tweets. Uh, will the NCAA tourney games be streamed? I don't know if Joe's listening to our show. Absolutely, across the board, they are almost always streamed by schools. We cannot take, uh, you know, you know some, some streams may not be great. Listen, Johns Hopkins streams will be outstanding. 
Um, they're always terrific. But um, no, I think you, all stream, all games will be streamed. I'd be shocked if we find anywhere that isn't streaming at this point. And to be honest with you, if they're not, I, I probably would have known about it by my, by now. Um, but yeah, all games will be streamed. Um, uh, so let's see here. UWL first 20 plus win WIAC team to not make the tournament plus beat uh, Eau Claire twice regar regardless, but their wins were better. Well, the committee completely disagrees, Todd. Um, I'm not sure if you're listening to the show. I don't think, are they really the first 20 win team not to make it? Okay. Do you know how many 20 win teams don't make it in this country, in, in the tournament? We can go back to last year, LaRoche, just off the top of my head, LaRoche and, and uh, Center didn't make it. Um, there was a lot of talk about the fact there were a lot of 21 teams that weren't going to make it this year, and I'm pretty sure there were a lot of 21 teams that didn't make it this year. I get you're talking about in the WIAC. I understand that. But you're automatically indicating that their conference, their schedule is better. Com Chair already said lacrosse didn't have a chance because lacrosse was two spots back of Eau Claire. Yes, they beat Eau Claire twice. But lacrosse's rest of the lacrosse's resume didn't stand up to Eau Claire's. That's basically where it stands, plain and simple. Um, so I don't know what other people would want out of that. And I think we're going to wrap it up there, folks. I thought I saw another message. Um, I did not. So that's it. We're going to wrap things up. First and foremost, I want to thank those who came on board to to uh, to to help us with these last two shows. Um, it, it, it meant the world to to me that you felt this program was worthy of advertising or uh, sponsoring uh, on this show. First and foremost, Sensible Sports Marketing. Um, Sensible Sports Marketing works with programs from every level of college athletics, specializing in big time solutions for the small school budget. From designing posters and schedule cards to large format wall graphics and more, they've got you covered. Give them a check at GetSportsSense.com or give them a call at 800-575-4765. While they weren't the sponsors tonight, I do want to thank our friends at Sport Tours International. As they say, play the world. If you want to get a, uh, a conference or if you want to go to uh, Europe or, say, maybe South America, I think, is part of where their tours are going. I'm not sure where everywhere they take people, but they provide – uh, an opportunity to put a trip together for your basketball team. On top of that, they put tournaments together, including the D3Hoops.com Classic that we're so proud to be a part of. Our friends at Sport Tours International, please check them out. Uh, they also have tournaments in Daytona Beach, I, I think Puerto Rico. They do D1 tournaments as well, but D3 is certainly something they love doing, and, and I thank Sport Tours International for helping us out. And Capital Elite Agency, uh, as they say, prepare to advance. If you're a Division three coach who's looking to, to either advance in your career or, or any coach for that matter, it doesn't have to be a Division three coach, but if you're a coach looking to advance in your career or want better representation or whatever the, may, uh, the, the case may be, check them out. Uh, their Twitter account is Cap Elite Agency, Cap Elite Agency. Their website is CapEliteAgency.com. Give them a check. Uh, I really appreciate all three of those groups coming on board to support us. We, we randomly put out a call uh, on Twitter on Friday. I randomly said, hey, why not? If there's anybody who wants to be a title sponsor of this show, whether it be Sundays and or Mondays, let us know. Come on board. We'd love to have you. And uh, those three jumped at it. Uh, I got word from them at different times up until Saturday, through Saturday, jumped on board, gave us support, which was more than appreciative. 
and uh, I thank them. I also want to thank all of you who have donated. Our goal was 5000 originally. That was as of a couple of weeks ago. We upped that goal to 7500 as a challenge. Unfortunately, we're at 4500 roughly. That's not a knock at those of you who donated. I really appreciate it. If any of you out there want to donate to our, our show, we will keep up the donations for another day because um, there are a lot of you who might watch On Demand and a lot of you might um, watch this or listen to this on the podcast. Here's where you can find the links to our PayPal uh, donations. We have them on Twitter, and we will send them out again. We will pin it to the top of our Twitter profile. We will double-check that it's on Facebook as well and pinned at the top as well. And they're on our show pages. If you have any problems, contact me. I will give you a link directly so that you can donate. I know some of you asked about Venmo. It just wasn't a hurdle I could jump through uh, this time, but PayPal is one that we did. So please consider we'll keep that going for a little bit longer. The thanks of those sponsors and your contributions, it looks like we will make the trip to Atlanta to call the game. Not call the game. I shouldn't make that promise at all. I don't know what coverage is going to be like, but I, we will be in Atlanta for those championship is our plan. Um, obviously, uh, a little bit more on the donational side, we absolutely will seal the deal. But I want to thank all of you. And then I want to thank the WBCA, NABC, and, of course, the entire crew at D3Hoops.com. I said this last night. I'll say it again tonight. There's a lot of times we have guests on who thank me for the website and everything else. Pat, Gordon, and Ryan do yeoman's work on the website. I do what I can. This year has been one of those years I haven't been able to help as much as I usually do. For example, no one may have noticed, but I haven't been blogging my top 25 this year. Um, it's, I've had other things I've had to focus on. And those guys do all the work for the website. They do a yeoman's work. I'll be stepping back into some of that role, but I don't deserve that credit. That's Pat to start with, and then it's Gordon, and then it's Ryan. Um, they're the ones. I do the show. Uh, it happens to be at D3 Hoops. They give me a, the platform to be able to do it there, and I thank them for that. And, of course, I also – and so I just want to be clear. I don't want you all thinking I'm taking the credit, and I want those guys to understand that I certainly appreciate the work that they do. I also want to thank those at Blue Frame Technology – um, for their assistance, uh, of course, they've been partners for a little while now. Blue Frame Technology is not only our streaming host, but our hotline host. Um, you can watch us on Team One Sports app at the Apple TV, Roku app, Android TV, and Amazon Fire TV. TeamOneSports.com slash Hoopsville is our official home, but you can find Hoopsville on those avenues, and, you, and we hope you'll take advantage of that. Um, when, if you ever want to watch us in, in those ways, uh, and we really want to thank blue frame for being, um, kind of stepping up to really, to a larger degree, they came on board and wanted to do something bigger with us and we appreciate it. And we really are, are, are thankful. Um, they have amazing production truck software. We have not been able to fully utilize. I'm hoping, I'm hoping for the postseason we at least figure out some of the gremlins that we have in this own studio to get that to work. There's a, there's a cool advertising side of that. And on top of that, uh, they've got their streaming platform. So if you want to check them out, go to blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com. Uh, they will be there. And tell them you, that you heard about it here on the show. Um, they don't just do sports athletics. If you're not into sports athletics or you don't have an athletics website or you don't uh, have a, uh, a company um like a a school that, that you do things with you you got your own they got stuff too but go to blueframetech.com production truck software or streaming and we appreciate it so that'll do it i want to thank sam atkinson for coming on the show and karen harvey for coming on the show and uh giving us answers even if you didn't like those answers i appreciate them doing so nonetheless we are on 30 minutes past when i said i'd get off the air i'm done four shows 
including the NCAA bracket shows, which I want to thank those at the NCAA for doing. And, and uh, I do out of the I do out of the out, out of my love for Division three. Um, I'm done. I'm going off the air. We'll be back on the air Saturday or Thursday, seven o'clock Eastern time. We're already compiling our list of those who will be um, uh, that that will be having on the show. We can't wait Thursday, seven o'clock Eastern time. The donations will be wrapped up by then. Maybe we'll have made a decision, but for Atlanta by then as well. That'll do it. If you want to talk Division Three basketball, you've got to listen to Hoopsville. You've got to watch Hoopsville. You've got to learn about Division Three, and we will teach it to you here. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for enjoying this fun time of season with us here on the show. Our numbers were spectacular, and I really thank you all for doing that. Good night, everybody. <laughs>